Today's sponsor is Sonos. Sonos is offering the listeners of The Watching Dead 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code WATCHING10, capital W-A-T-C-H-I-N-G-1-0, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are here to talk about Season 8, Episode 7, titled Time for After. Uh, I thought it was interesting because there's already an episode in Season 4? Season 4 or 5? I can't remember. Called what's Called After. After. Yeah. Called After. I feel like they're running out of ideas. Even for the names. (laughs) Oh, you feel? Even for the titles. The titles of the show are repeating. Is Morgan naming these? That's okay. That's not the worst issue that the the, the show's facing. No? Okay. Uh, What'd you think of it? Well, you know, I thought it was a brave choice to uh, make an episode answering the question that's been on everyone's lips this whole season. What uh-huh. has Eugene been at, up to this whole time? Uh, and then you take that, that juicy burger and you slap a, a, a slice of bread called what, 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 What's Gonna Happen With Rick and Jadis? Mm-hmm. And you got yourself a tasty, tasty episode of The Walking Dead. I can, uh, it's, it's getting sticky in here because I can feel the sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me? It's, and here's the, the problem is, like, Eugene has turned into this funhouse version of the character he was in the comic books where, like, all that stuff that was just a scared person using tough military jargon and speak to cover up their obvious lack of expertise to fool, you know, somewhat dim Abraham into protecting him have become defining traits for this asshole. So I can't hardly understand a word he says in 30 minutes of the episode because he's just, you know, five by five and 10 by 10 and four by four. And like, you know, like, I I don't know. What do you, what do you think? No, I I have the same problems. Like Eugene is becoming completely unintelligible at this point. Like he, I mean, there's no word to describe him other than character. Like, he's the most character I've ever seen in a show, and not in a good way. (laughs) Right, and it's it's not fun or cool or even funny anymore. It used to be when they used him, like, super sparingly. You know, when he was was biting chodes, when he was was a little weird. Right. Now he is just that character, and it doesn't make sense to me. And, And it's hard to, like you said, hard to even understand what he's saying. And, and, like... He's such a shit too. Are like they this... setting him up to to go with the trash people? He he just he says too many words though. He right. uses more words. He's the opposite of the trash right, people. Right. Um. I just feel like that he the other pro- fatal problem they've inflicted is that G- Eugene was never that likable, but now he's just a genuine shit. Like hmm. multiple times, several people make it crystal clear to him that what he's doing is immoral and wrong and going to hurt the people that were his friends that he can't stop calling travel companions. Right. And like him throwing up in a sink after he can't hold a half a glass of wine is not going to make him sympathetic. Like, I don't see how Eugene turns the corner back to good guy. And I think I don't think they'll do it. They'll just he'll just be forgiven after all this is over and then everyone right. will forget 
the multiple betrayals, the multiple signs saying this here is a character line. This is the Rubicon that you're going to cross. He's crossed mm-hmm. five or six Rubicons. The die has been cast. The D20 has rolled a natural one. And yet I'm going to be expected to swallow when he makes a face turn later. You have to smile. Eugene's character has been ruined, and yet I smile. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of Rubicons that have been crossed. I mean, Rick at this point should just all out lose his mind again, right? I mean, he's completely Uh, lost. Yeah, he is not the leader. He there's been a there's been a coup. There's been a pop. There's been a not even a popular uprising. There's been a there's been a, a a coup amongst the lieutenants. Like, the thing that he was hoping would happen for Negan has instead happened to himself. Right, and this is the thing where I feel like if the the setup had been better and the, the characters had been better, this is interesting. Because this reversal on him, where now he might actually have to lay down the law for the good of his community and, and punish some of the people who have been fucking up all the plans, mm-hmm. might have been interesting if we cared about any of it. But right. the problem is it has been so poorly written up to this point that... Even with an interesting premise, an interesting setup like that, I don't think I don't trust them to do anything with it. No, and it's another I'm going to call it Gimple remix, remix now, um, where they're inexplicably resurrecting plots that we have gone way past and no longer make any sense and are doing doing violence and betrayal to these characters, and they don't care. They don't. Which what what is that? I mean, which ones? I, like like the fact that Rick. The, the, they're plotting the comics that Rick faces popular insurrections because after the baseball bat incident, Rick made a very strong point of like, we are going to go along with whatever Negan says with the secret tactic of slowly consolidating his power and lulling Negan into a false sense of uh, complacency mm-hmm. to the point where mm-hmm. his, some of his own stallers, like Andrea's still alive in the comics, she's like... They're, they're starting to plan to, like, well, someone's got to do a resistance. And then Rick drops this epic speech. It's like, look, you idiots. I have been planning for this shit all along. And then everybody's this like. This is the resistance. Everybody's yeah. like, we believe in Rick Grimes. And that's. But mm-hmm. here it's like, oh, shit, we still got this betrayal plot. Let's fucking bring it out in the middle of all out war. And I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm misremembering it all. But it just seems yeah. like now you're having it. And it's like, you're right. Like, what what happens after all of this? Dude, Rick has to go back to Alexandria and just put a baseball bat to some people's heads. Except for, I mean, he's got to turn into Negan at some point, right? I mean, that's the that's that's the, the obvious like place for him to go here. Now, of yeah. course, they're not going to do that. You can't do that with yeah. Rick. He's supposed to be the hero, right? So. I don't know. I but and, that temptation is certainly there. And and also this plot where like Rosita, who was the fucking La Revolution of last season, and like mm-hmm. not being impatient or firebrand, and got to kill Negan now, and suddenly she's completely flipped. Yeah, because of Sasha and and having got her killed, I guess. And like Michonne, like I don't understand the change of heart that Rosita and Michonne have. What that's actually supposed to get. Because Daryl's plan is still going to work, and ultimately it didn't matter because Daryl's plan, I, I, I think, is the impetus for them to do the desperate measure of using all their guns and ammo to clear out the yeah, sanctuary. Yeah, I think it backfired. Yeah, um, because Eugene course, is going to be able to restock him. Of course it did. And the other thing is like, what the fuck? It'd be one thing if like Daryl had gotten the explosives from Rick and that same day, but it feels like this has been a day or two. Like, wasn't the plan to come back to Sanctuary in two days? Yeah, like, like they're on the cusp of Rick showing up at the gates with the fucking trash people. What the hell? What the hell? Yeah, and 
And the whole idea that he's going to go convince the trash people to join them is just so insane. It sounds like it sounds like the the, the problem is is we're going to find out that everyone that didn't stay behind at the sanctuary or everyone that stayed behind the sanctuary is going to be captured. And now mm-hmm. Rick's going to have another like I'm going to beat Daryl's brains out, Rick, kind of thing, and oh. or a governor I'm going to behead Herschel, kind of thing. And well, I mean Daryl, Daryl and Tara run off, which. We will definitely talk about that. Uh-huh. But they run off, um, so I think they escape. And yeah, Michonne and Rosita never go in. I keep thinking about, like, how in the world did the saviors, and there's not that many of them, how in the world did they clean successfully the compound under withering sniper fire? Yeah. Like, well, did I everyone think... just take the fuck off after they, they, they punched a hole in the wall of the sanctuary? No, I think the problem was they let the zombies in, which uh-huh. gave them cover to take out the, the walkers. Oh, so they just let them come well, in. Well, there were no snipers, right? Because okay. you can't shoot them inside the building. So okay. I, I think that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> it's All tough right. to tell. But you hear a lot of gunfire, and I think that's you them do. clearing the walkers inside the building. Yeah, you hear a lot of gunfire. You see a lot of Eugene puking. Pretty yeah. smart budget saving ploy by AMC, and a couple of like really cool ideas in this. Like mm-hmm. and and no, they're, that's, they're, like they're flirting with something awesome. I in a couple of spots. Like, and I just of, wish it was better. Like like the the arc that they have with Eugene, like with like you know Negan being the devil and Gabriel being the angel, is kind of operatic and cool and Shakespearean, but it's completely undercut by the character of Eugene, who is yeah. a non-serious character. For sure. It's like on you know Voyager, when you got that character Neelix, who's a terrible character. If you ever want to give him a serious storyline, it's just never going to work. It's never <laughs> going to work because he's a terrible character yeah. that everyone hates. Mm-hmm. Same problem with Wesley Crusher. Like You made him such a fucking shitball character that you try to up his ass. Yeah, yeah you try to give him some meat later on and it just falls flat like yep. you know that's like I, if, if this was still the Usenet there'd be some kind of alt dot Eugene dot die 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 like it's <laughs> I don't know but I guess he's a fan favorite he's Probably got a glorious mullet you also yeah. you also gotta stop drawing attention to the gloriousness of his mullet. I think we all know about it. Like like when Negan's saying you're glorious, but like like Eugene's bright enough to understand he's being made fun of, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole. Inter- okay, we, we're gonna I'm gonna just criticize the entire episode <laughs> before we even talk about it. All right? Maybe we should get to the recap. Hey, before we uh, tear into this week's episode, I want to talk about some stuff that's coming out in Bald Move. Uh, of course, we got Mr. Robot coming out on Friday. It airs the, on Wednesday. We also got some really cool upcoming Bald Movies. Uh, the Disaster Artist, mm-hmm. which is the Franco uh, starring and may- maybe even directed and produced a biopic about the making of the movie The Room, yeah, which is widely hailed as the worst film of all time. Should be a lot of fun. We're going to see it this Thursday. Next Thursday, uh, we're seeing a, an advanced copy of The Last Jedi, which super excited about. So we got some. So we got some red red letter movie days coming out. Not affiliated with Red Letter Media, although we do like those guys. Uh, we also have uh, the, the the big thing going on. A bald move is in full swing. Is our Mary Culkin Keatmas which is a a little film festival that we've de- de- derived to reward our club members. Um, and to celebrate Christmas, we're watching uh, we're watching Jack Frost, Home Alone, and Batman Returns, which is the Christmassy of the most Christmas of all the Batmans. And we're doing live watches for all of them. We're doing podcasts for all of them, and then we're doing these drunken lunches. Where I mean, there's a, there's an advent calendar of booze involved. It's like it's if if if, if this isn't worth the, the the club, I don't know what is. 
Uh, you can sign up for it if you don't want to miss out at club.baldmove.com. And also, as a special treat, we actually spent quite a bit of this lunch talking about The Walking Dead because fans asked us questions, and someone wanted to know what we would do if we flipped the keys to Guy Ferrari for Season 9. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, had some some funny points, had some interesting points. That's going to be at the tail end of this podcast if you want to preview it. If you want the whole thing, if you want to get on the, the, the Culkin Keatmas celebration, you got to be a club member at club.baldmove.com. Uh, Live Watch for Jack Frost already out. Podcast of that tomorrow. And then we'll have each movie podcast pair on the coming Mondays and Wednesdays, culminating with a surprise film release on Christmas Day. Check it out, club.boldmove.com. Uh, so we start off with Rick in his container, and the door opens, and he stumbles out in his boxers, and I'm like, well, we're watching AMC, because if this was on HBO, he'd be naked. Because he should be naked. Mm. Jadis yeah. is not going to respect his boxers. She's not going to sculpt those boxers. No. It's not going to happen. No. Uh, there is a guy drawing him. Maybe he could have worn an apron. I, I, just, I don't know <laughs> why they didn't apron. give him an apron. Have his ass hanging out. And just give them or an just apron, because they just, were all in aprons. Just strategically film it though where he's naked. Sure. I mean, yeah. I you can you can you can do that, but mm-hmm. like he just has these grimy it, pair it of It would have been a perfect opportunity for like a HelloFresh tie-in, because they always send out the aprons with their stuff. <laughs> so you could have just had a big old HelloFresh, get paid like a million dollars. and It would be hilarious if Jada was wearing a HelloFresh <laughs> right. bib uh, with her outfit. Uh, but she she also takes with this old timey flashbulb camera. She takes uh, a pictures of Rick forward and backwards and sides, uh, and explains that I'm going to sculpt you after. And Rick says, because he's really dumb, after what? And they shut him back in the container car. They say after again, yeah. So then we go. Here, here's the thing. Okay, the, Rick, this whole time is like, oh, you still got a choice. You could join us or die. I'm <laughs> right. like. Dude, you are not Luke Skywalker. This, I, Do not try this shit. Yeah, you're not. You don't have Jedi powers. No. And you haven't stacked as garbage people with RTD2 and C3PO and your sister and your, you know. No, it comes across as just foolish and it's, stupid. Right. It, and it, bravado in the, it, like, an idiocy. I, I don't know why they make. And the thing th- is, they make is, this successful. If ri- if the garbage people were not the worst, like if they just had a conventional th- execution, like mm-hmm. with a red machete or yeah. a fucking pistol to the <laughs> head, bullet, yeah. Rick would be dead. It's only mm-hmm. their over elaborate zombie death execution method that, that hilariously got away from them mm-hmm. that that caused all this. It's uh, I mean, the, the garbage people are terrible. Yeah, the whole, the whole plot with them is terrible. It's not even just them. It's everything that's happening around them, too. You didn't happen to read the Defense of the Garbage People thread on r slash The Walking Dead <laughs> no. last year. Can yeah. you summarize? Because I'd love to know. It's good that they're trying to do something interesting, man. Like, you know, everybody can't be the Negans and Governors and Ricks. you got to have some... I mean, it's essentially praising The Walking Dead writers for trying something unconventional. I mean, I would praise them for that if it were good. <laughs> It's just right. not good. Right. It's just like there's no explanation for how this backwards, crazy, mm-hmm. art-loving compound of trash hippies can survive in this world. Yeah. Like, why didn't... I mean, I don't know. I I, I, I don't. I don't. It'd be interesting to be privy to the deal that they made with Negan and why, you know, but but I, I just... I've never seen them as fearsome. Like, every time... Mm-hmm. Rick does battle with him. He gets the upper hand, and then he trusts them and offers them a hand up, and then they join and they betray. And again, there mm-hmm. is no, like, he wrested a concession from Jadis just like he did last time. Yeah. In the stupidest way possible, too. Right. In the most unbelievable way. Yeah. I don't understand why we're supposed to believe this is going to happen any, or maybe we're supposed to, maybe we're supposed to, pursue, I mean, 
there's no way to look. I, I don't say any other way to interpret it. Like Rick is either a fool, mm-hmm. or I mean, he's a fool either way. Well, the way. whole plan is foolish, right? I mean, he, if he goes to them and it doesn't work, they've gained nothing and they've killed him, right? Uh, and their whole plan is off apparently because they need the numbers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but this seemed to be all part of his plan: is going to them and convincing them. But it shouldn't have worked. That is the thing. Like, nothing about this plan should have worked. Yeah. And yet it did. Uh, Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel like as a viewer, as a smart viewer, you're supposed to know what's going on in the past. You're supposed to look for the backstab. But if they do that, then it just it just further undermines Rick. I, I just don't even think it should get to that point. There, yeah. There is absolutely no reason that, that Rick should have gotten away from his captivity at uh, at the trash heap yeah there's absolutely no way they should have joined up with him there's no reason for them to do any of this it seems like the they, they fucked up the plan the pl- part one of the plan should have been all three communities go to the trash people surround uh-huh. them and either annihilate them or or make sh- or take a bunch of hostages and uh and and make them and press them into the army i guess if they want to be like the true yeah. dictatorship and that's the thing this plan didn't work this right. plan fucking failed, and they were about to kill Rick. Right. And then somehow he gets loose and, and attacks them, and that changes their mind. It's so dumb. All right, let's, keep, let's move on. Uh, Eugene is in his quarters racking his mullet trying to come up with a solution, and he comes up with a list of what he knows, what he doesn't know, and what he is unaware of total, in, in totality. Uh, Eugene then decides to visit Dwight because he has a realization, or he's... I get taking action on a realization he had a few episodes ago, and he confronts him that he's working for the Ock, yeah, the <laughs> Alexander Hilltop Kingdom Alliance that he is awkwardly named. Uh, and Dwight's not having it. What do you what do, what do you want to say about this? I I don't understand the chart that Eugene makes. It's, Did you look at it? Yeah, it's a joke, right? Well, no, I think it's supposed to be. It has to be a joke. I think it's supposed to be an allusion to like that f- famous slash infamous Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, yeah, but the conference. third column is entirely unnecessary and and completely impossible to fill out. Right? Yeah, That's you're right. That part is the yeah. joke because the no the unknown unknowns are things I'm wholly unaware of. Or right? Whatever. Like, how are you going to list them? I guess it's an exercise where you reveal the third column by but inference. But, of filling in the second one but necessarily a, if you think of anything to go in the third column it now goes in the second column right the known unknowns yeah <laughs> so yeah you're right what the hell <sighs> uh i don't know i mean this is a scene is good for i guess what it is it's just it's it's got it's against eugene because dwight saying look the savior's finished negan's is, is finished this place it's all over all you have to do is what you're best at nothing mm-hmm uh, and he also reminds Eugene that you haven't got your hands bloody yet, but you will, and it'll be too late uh, to come back from it. So, and Eugene says, "Fuck you, I'm a savior, and we save, and I'm gonna keep on saving." And the other thing is, yeah. throughout this whole episode, he tries. He's got an accurate knowledge of look. If I don't do anything, the zombies will come and kill me. If I do do something, then I get in good, Negan's good graces, and I live to be a coward another day. But where is his analysis of keeping things from Negan? Like, this is a third path that he has introduced himself to sitting on the fence as long as possible. Like, I know you're the bad guy, but I'm not going to rat you out. Like, that, he's he's already fucking up his own plan. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how this chart meshes with this thing. 
Is he trying to like get at the things he's wholly unaware of by waiting it out a little bit by dragging it out? Yeah, ever since you've, I'm I'm still There's reeling from there. the idea that you would actually make a column for the things you don't know you don't know. <laughs> right. It would forever remain blank. It would. It would have because to. Because the second you gain awareness of something, it yeah. goes and say, yeah, you're, god damn it. Um, but that's the other thing is, I've never, did you ever think that Eugene was smart? Like, where is this characterization of him? Like, I feel like he's the kind of guy who's read, like, the Anarchist Cookbook. Yeah, he knows a few things about a few things. But right. But smart? I Smart? Yeah, I, 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 I feel like know. they've retconned him into being this like super genius instead of being a person of average intelligence who might know a couple of random things that in the real world would be useless trivia, but in a survival mm-hmm. situation is, you know, like how to fucking make bolt, make ammunition and how to, you know, make a flying machine out of a boombox and some foam and rulers and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not too much of a stretch. Like, if he has read something like the Anarchist Cookbook, right. he could probably fashion a few things, mm-hmm. know how to make bullets. But, they again, so don't, like, don't try to tell. Maybe, maybe this is the writer's way of telling him that he's actually kind of, he he's kind of stupid because he's the type of person who would make a column for unknown unknowns. <laughs> maybe so, yeah. Uh, barcode Neck Woman is here to remind us of the stakes. She says they give us a day, maybe two, before they can no longer hold out. They don't actually say that. A day or two before they run out of food and water, a day or two before the zombies break in because yeah. they developed a super ability to tear apart steel walls. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the... I, I assumed the day or two was like how long this community can hold their shit together. Okay. Yeah, because it does seem like they're sitting on a powder keg of angry workers and scared civilians yeah. and you know all this. Uh, Dr. Carson asks Eugene for help. Uh, he wants him to sit with Gabriel, who is on death's door because they don't have any medicine or antibiotics, and he's going to raid the pantry for herbs, and he wants he wants to set up this moral conundrum for Eugene. And Gabriel, uh, let's just talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabriel's position is we still have to do the right thing vis-a-vis Dr. Carson, and you have to have faith and trust in God and yourself. And Eugene's position is that's absurd. Who wins the debate? Uh, well, I mean, just saying that's absurd is not a very good debate tactic. Right. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But it, it doesn't convince me. Um, but also Do you have that, to convince the guy dying of a fever uh, <laughs> on his bed that you're right about his religion? I he's mean, probably not going to believe you. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Like, this isn't this isn't a structured debate, I don't think. So I, I don't know who wins. It just sounds like an excuse, a license that you give yourself to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Because, like, if you believe that God is inside of you and he has a plan for everything... Then anything that's coming... Then anything you do is what God wants. Right. So... I mean, that's the thing, like... You absolve yourself of all responsibility for your actions, in my mind. Like, it's a hell of a thing for a man of faith to launch an attack on a man of science by, you didn't see zombies coming, did you? Well, motherfucker, did you? Is this part of God's plan? God's plan is to wipe out 99% of the human population. Yeah, that's that's the thing about uh sure. That's the thing about God's plan. It's right. mysterious. I mean, if that's <laughs> if that's the case, then like I mean, I guess if it's like some kind of reverse rapture and you're the only one left, like why are you why is Kirk Cam- why are you the Kirk Cameron in this post-rapture situation? I I don't know. I don't know. It seems it seems kind of dumb. And Gabriel opines that you'll know the right thing to do when the time comes. 
And then we see the terrible red spot, which is kind mm. of like the telltale heart of this episode. Yeah, this it's, is the, the first flip on Eugene's it's the part. the metaphorical drop of blood that he's already got in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know what? Morgan's a sniper now. Oh, yeah. Fresh off af, uh, from losing his mind on the battlefield, he's decided to pick up sniping. Those bow staff skills really yeah, translate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, more than you'd think, honestly. He, he's leading the sniper corps that is maintaining the quarantine outside uh, the, the, the saber <laughs> if you, complex. If you can aim a stick, you can aim a gun. <laughs> he sees Feral Daryl uh, pull up to uh, in his garbage truck, and uh, then we kind of break for there. Uh, Tanya visits Eugene, and she wants her boombox back. Hmm. Because he apparently was going to fix it for and trade her for two bottles of wine because he's having trouble sleeping. Let's discuss the scene, Jim. Okay. Uh, apparently, Eugene, in yet another quirk twist of his character, can only withstand, withstand 1.5 ounces of wine. 1.5 ounces puts his ass to sleep. Puts him to sleep. I don't... I mean, granted, we have massive tolerances here. Yes, uh, but no one. I, you could feed Judith 1.5 ounces of wine, and she might get a little drowsy. Yeah, Eugene is a 600-pound man. He's right. not going to be affected in yeah. any way yeah, 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 by yeah. 1.5 ounces of Everclear. It's, his bo- it's, it's, not t- it's body chemistry, man. Yeah. Like, it's tr- tr- and I think this is a joke. I think it's a joke, but the problem is it's surrounded by such self-serious bullshit that I really don't know. Right, right. And, I honestly and it's, couldn't it's, it's tell just, you. It's just a bristling mess of ergos and ounces and giggle juices. Oh, and yeah. It's just so fucking bad, and I feel like the writers love it. They like love. They spend more time brainstorming bullshit for Eugene's dialogue than they ever do sweating a plot point. Yep. Uh, so bully for that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, and the thing is, is Tanya, she helpfully reminds him like, look, you could have actually implemented a real positive change for this place, but you fucking didn't listen because you knew better than all the people who have to fuck this asshole on a weekly basis, uh, who are essentially rape slaves, you know, good, good job. Good job. Eugene. I I do like the line where, um, he says something about being trapped in here and she's like, I was always stressed that we are trapped. Yeah. yeah. Uh she says I've I've always been trapped here. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like I I'm not getting the same fucking treatment that you are, dude. Right. Right. You might be living high on the hog. We're not. Uh so then he's summoned by another one of Negan's black cocktail dress clad wives, quote unquote, uh, that he is being summoned. Um we then go to see Daryl and Rosita and Taryn Michonne plan planning to drive the garbage truck through the building. And Daryl hasn't. They, they we we learned that Daryl hasn't really thought the plan through. Like he has. Rick asked this two questions ago. What about the workers? And he had to cut. Hey, oh, they'll probably be there. They'll probably be all right. Wildcat. <laughs> and you know, uh, I think Rosita asked the same question here, and he's like, "Oh, they should probably make it." Hell, I would. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I mean, he's so gung ho about this thing that I actually thought he started the plan last week at the mm-hmm. very end because you can see like at the end of that episode he pulls up Rosita I think it's Rosita in the car with him at that point goes holy shit this is a plan yeah and then he goes let's get started and he he very intensely like starts up the truck right. like he's ready to ram it in and we're like okay that's his plan he's gonna ram the the thing that's the other thing that was tripping but me when th- I, I guess was... he was like getting all worked up to go have a talk about the plan with Michonne and well, Morgan, like, like the, the them encountering 
the uh, yeah I, I don't know because the other thing is like this is daryl and tara's plan yeah okay they by happenstance came across rosita and michonne mm-hmm. which to me says their participation would be nice but not necessary and they keep making yep. the plot like it's they're their resistance is is some it, it, it what it felt like is like pilot washing his hands of like Jesus execution like hey you know what I think this is a bad idea I'm in a position and a power authority to do something about it but you people are the assholes not me like Rosita mm-hmm. and Michonne like I think this is this is a dangerous plan it's going to fuck up all of our peace and security it's going to it's going to it's going to make all the lives that was lost to the kingdom uh you know like a bullshit tragedy but you do you you do you. This is just me. This is my opinion. Like, it's really serious. It's like the ultimate stakes, and they don't even fight. Like, fucking Rick and Daryl at least fought over the issue. Yeah. Michonne's just like, ah, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take the middle path. This is a big episode for Finn sitting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, and, but you're right about, like, and Rosita. T- Tara's, Tara's, like, objections are all over, like, losing yeah. Sasha, or Sasha, not Sasha, uh, Rosita and Michonne. Yeah. Like, every time one of them bows out, she's like, I don't know, can we can we still do this? But you're right, the plan initially only required Tara and Daryl. Right, and now they've got so, the help of the entire, like, all of the... The snipers. Yeah, which makes sense, because I guess they were kingdom snipers, uh-huh. is what Morgan says, because, like, okay. so... So they're all like they're they're out for revenge. Um, so like, right. Daryl already has more help than he initially thought he'd have. Yeah, but Tara always seems a little bit like I don't know if this plan's going to work now. And also like my failure, my arbitrary failure at keeping the confidence of Oceanside is why I'm now going to do this terribly dangerous, risky thing at the precipice of of, of apparent victory anyway. Yeah. I don't know. And then Rosita's Thinking, completely unironic reading of the line, I believe in I, I believe in trust in Rick Grimes. Like, uh, no, you, you didn't literally a day ago. Yeah. A day ago is when all this shit, like, two, I think in Showtime, three days have elapsed since, like, Negan shot up the place and cut her cheek and all that other crap. Yeah, I'm, I guess so. I, I don't really know. But she's made a completely 180. Just sitting sullenly on the porch for a couple days has has given her time to realize her her way was wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Negan, in the meeting with Eugene, impresses upon him the importance of organizing, utilizing strength. Tells him he's got a big, strong brain and just respects the shit out of him. And he makes his point with a handshake, which Eugene misinterprets as a kiss the ring moment. And some awkwardness ensues. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair to Eugene... Negan was making the kiss the hand gesture. Yeah, it's a there's, pretty limp handshake. There's a way to extend the hand in friendship and respect. Yeah. And then there's a way to drape your, your hand limply in front of someone as if to offer to kiss the ring. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what that's what uh, uh, Negan's doing here. This is why I like the Japanese customs. The bowing is unmistakable. Yeah. You either bowed or you didn't bow. Like yeah. there's no, do I kiss the top of his head when he bows? <laughs> Am oh, I supposed to you're, do that? It's like I've because it's funny. I just read a, a, a Reddit thread last week about people getting into bowing wars. Sure, yeah. Like you make if you're an oh, American, that could definitely happen. You're, yeah. make, you're American. You make a mistake to bowing to a shopkeeper. Like forget it, you're not getting out of there. Uh, like if you think you're going to you get ha- the last well, bow in, you, you got another thing no, coming. No, you don't bow. You just let them bow deeper. 
yeah. than you. Yeah. And, and you're good. Yeah. Like, you can walk out. That's what I'm saying. There's there's plenty of room to misinterpret. And to, I like, suppose so. Maybe it's just stuff that I've picked up along the way about the techniques yeah. for bowing. But yeah. honestly, there's there's no contact. You're never going to accidentally kiss the person bowing to That's you. true. That's true. What if you miss... What if you... What if the other guy, they're not used to dealing with someone as tall as you, and they, oh, they took... shit. And they, they're a little too close? Yeah, the hypotenuse of their bend <laughs> angle, and, like, your nose is touched, or your forehead's bump, or... Oh, crap. I bet I bet there's a Japanese game show that's just like security cam footage of people fucking up bows and smack bonking heads. For sure. For sure there is. I mean cuz like the thing about Also with the small spaces in Japan like right. you might your living room might not have enough room to bow. Right. I'm thinking about like cuz like there's so many clips I've seen of people fucking up high fives and fist bumps and handshakes and all that yeah. stuff. Like there's got to be. There's got to be. That would be funny, right? Be. Every every time you want to bow to someone as they leave your house you gotta move the coffee table <laughs> welcome to bald move where we're culturally offensive and sensitive without even trying uh <laughs> i just think culturally ignorant that's yes a, that sounds yes. much nicer yes yes we are um so yeah rosita's out plans and shambles what are you gonna do without a rosita uh probably be better off <laughs> is my guess um oh actually no um Negan didn't want his hand kissed. I'm a scene back. Uh, Eugene decides uh, he's properly motivated, and he's going to start MacGyvering the shit out of things. Uh, He decides he needs something down in the bowels of the sanctuary complex where Negan is keeping Sasha's coffin, Mm -hmm. and it still has the iPod in it. I guess that makes sense. But, man, the barter you could get for an iPod. Yeah, like, and the, 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 uh, the idea that... You had this open coffin that still had an iPod at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Someone would seal that up and haul it back and not grab the iPod. Right. Seems a little fishy in a scavenger basket society. To me, yeah. Uh, but he, he gets the iPod after reliving the latest time he was a shit and didn't do what he's supposed to do. Uh, Daryl stages his approach. This is like the third time he's done so with his garbage truck. Uh, Michonne decides in the garbage truck cab to get cold feet, which, why is she there anyway? The plan calls for Daryl to come forward with a uh, a cement block and at the last minute throw the cement block on the pedal and ditch the garbage truck. Why would Michonne come with him anyway? She's a shit shot, granted. Maybe Mm -hmm. she's going to be close support. She's going to be a zombie slicer. I really don't know. It's it's because they wanted this conversation to happen. And this was the only way to get there, I guess. They also might be setting up some future conflict because I could, if if Daryl gets captured, like I think he's going to, and Michonne wasn't there to protect him, maybe that's a, a point of conflict between the two. Like you sold me out, <laughs> or Michonne's like I sold you out. I don't know. I don't know. Seems pretty <laughs> dumb though. Uh, Michonne just reminds Daryl for no reason that she sold him out. That's no, rough. like that she feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> mean. I'm not saying like over dinner five years from now. Remember that time I sold you out, you son of a you bitch. Got killed. I, you know what? I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Uh, I don't. If know. only for the laughs. Yeah. Uh, but Daryl says it's it's still. She says it's not worth the risk. Daryl says it's worth the risk to me. Uh, Eugene then hilariously over narrates the launch of his audio glider. He's got this mm-hmm. Radio Shack 19 eras era tape recorder that he's acting like this is like posterity and he's going to include this transcript in a binder labeled audio f- glider emergency countermeasures volume this is volume one by the way yeah this is just his his first stab at it and uh, he's got this foam base glider with a propeller and an ipod that is hooked up to a boombox speaker that he he salvaged off of tanya who she's going to be so fucking pissed so fucking pissed 
that yeah. he tore apart a boombox. Not only did he not fix it. After extorting the second wine bottle from her. Uh, and is apparently capable of putting out 98 decibels. That's a lot of decibels. That's a lot of decibels for, and that's not Holy even a shit. That's, that's also that's not a boombox. That's like a a shelf radio at best. Oh yeah, this is like Walmart circa 2005. This is a three inch speaker that's hooked up to an iPad or an iPod rather, and it's going to put out 98 decibels. And yeah, Run DMC wouldn't be caught dead with this thing. No, they would not. Um, so. He launches the. He's about to launch the glider, and Dwight comes and takes him takes him by surprise, and they get in this philosophical argument about what's going to happen. Like he says, you understand that if you're successful, Negan's going to kill Rick and Michonne and Rosita and Daryl and all your friends. And he goes, they're just traveling companions. Also, did I mention I'm weak and selfish? Yeah, and uh, Dwight just, or I'm sorry, not Dwight, uh, Eugene refuses to be intimidated by anyone that he's chomped down on the chode, so he launches the glider. Uh, Dwight can't bring himself to kill him for some reason, but he can kill the bird and he shoots it down. Mm-hmm. I wonder how, they never deal with this in the episode, but I wonder how this is explained to Negan. Like, did Eugene just like, without testing the glider, just go up to the top and like try to launch the glider? And then multiple gunshots ring out, and no one comes up and says, "What the fuck are you guys doing up here?" Yeah, I, I think it coincided so closely with the, the trash crash, that they it got overlooked, or okay. it will be overlooked. And I, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, so at this point, as you mentioned, Daryl roars in action. Tara and Morgan move to give cover for his well, approach. Here, here's before we get to this next scene here's the important thing or a possibly important thing depending on what they do with it uh about last scene is that Mm -hmm. now possibly eugene has an audio recording of dwight's confession because he never hits the stop button on that recorder Mm -hmm. you can see it while dwight's saying oh i'm the person who ratted or the mole and i've worked against everybody and all that the recording is still going but eugene already has the physical evidence of the bag and the paint and like i feel like that's enough for negan to beat someone's brains out probably yeah but now he has it on tape for what it's worth all right good good call i'm sure that will come back in a in this will this was much more likely to hold up in a court of law you're right oh yeah definitely (laughs) uh so daryl roars in action with the garbage truck uh taryn morgan moved to give cover for his approach daryl puts a cement block or cement trucks, or no, he puts a cement block on the pedal and bails out. The garbage truck then punches a garbage truck-sized hole in the sanctuary wall, which we see externally zombies are squeezing by in a one-by-one file. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the inside of the Saver Complex, and, this, and the truck is gone. It's now a yeah. gaping chasm that zombies are just pouring through. Yeah, just daylight everywhere. Like, what the fuck? And this is where... They're flirting with something really awesome because this okay. scene has the potential to be super cool. Yeah. If not for this dimensionally shifting truck. Uh-huh. Because it's gone. It's just not there anymore. Right. And they like all they're trying to do is tell the story of people evacuating to the second floor of this. Mm-hmm. And you could have the you know saviors mowing down wave after wave of these slowly advancing single-file zombies while the civilians are evacuating. But instead... They want the old 
random pictures of people with guns getting bit by zombies from behind, even though there's only one vector these zombies are coming from. <laughs> right. And there's no garbage. Like, how hard would it be to build a facade of a garbage truck mm-hmm. inside this fucking set? They just don't care. They don't fucking care because they want yeah. they want their things. Their things are zombies coming forward and chomping on people. They're shooting guns. Yep. Uh, so they do all that. And it they, undermines all the things that are cool about that scene. Yep. Yep. And Eugene kind of has this moment where he snaps. They show him kind of like his face is trembling as he's hearing all this gunfire and, and, and people getting mowed down. And uh, he he has a snap emotional decision where he then goes and runs to Gabriel's bedside. And I swear to God, this scene is filmed exactly like Prince Humperdinck coming to Wesley in the dungeon and saying oh you think you're so good and you're so right and true love matters well I'm gonna suck 50 years of your life off you know it's like it's just this totally evil selfish I'm in it for me and no one's gonna win and your pathetic notions of justice and truth and God are invalid and fuck you spit in your face and that's it yeah um I I don't know and he's talking about these and then the other thing is like how, how does Gabriel understand half of what he's saying? Has Gabriel ever rolled a D20 in his life? Probably not. Like, it's just it's just this guy. It, it might as well be like the fucking Tasmanian devil spitting at him for a while. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't get half of what he's saying there. Right. I couldn't interpret it. Right. But he says the staying safe means staying alive. And I'm going to keep Dr. Carson here in case I need to be healed because I'm going to survive. And that's the most important thing. Like, yeah. I guess this is I guess this is progress because in the earlier part of the episode he was framing the same argument but always saying that my survival is linked with these other people's survival. So it's not really uh a, I'm not as selfish as I appear. Mm-hmm. Where in this moment he's embracing his he's essentially embracing the dark side. Yeah. This is this is uh Anakin killing a room full of uh Jedi younglings, I think. No, it it seems to me like Eugene absolutely he's going full on you know evil anakin here but mm-hmm. but he's doing it almost almost out of spite like he he has realized that he's made the wrong decision i think when those zombies bust in right. and start killing everyone he realizes right. okay my position with negan here is not as solid as i thought because mm-hmm. he might not win this thing uh and he so he instead of facing that possible truth he doubles down on his position mm-hmm. and says you know, because you prove that my that there are flaws in my argument, I'm going to double down on the the way I feel about it. Yeah. Um. And you see people do that all the time. Oh it's, yeah. It's completely realistic. It's just I wish cloaked. it was coming from a more realistic character. Right. It's, it's cloaked in D20s and <laughs> right. Eagle juices and <laughs> just four, all five, quirks. Four by four, five by five, ten by 20 ten by and, twenty. Yeah. yeah I, 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 like I'm seeing twenty twenty yeah. something ten. I'm feeling know, pretty 20. I, my body's rated to 10 by yeah. fucking People magazine. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> reading the five by five. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, uh, there are other problems with this this disappearing truck scene. There, there's one specifically that I wanted to talk about. All right. Where D- Daryl puts the brick on the truck, uh, on the pedal, and yeah. he, he crashes it through the wall mm-hmm. after rolling out of it. Mm-hmm. And Tara runs up and... Morgan from his sniper nest says, "You're clear to the south. You and Tara need to get out of here and go home." Mm-hmm. How the fuck are they clear to the south? They run around the building. There were clearly no zombies on that part of the building. Why could the people in the sanctuary not just sneak out? 
Yeah, they keep on... Like, is it because of the snipers? Why don't they get their own snipers? Yeah. Well, because I guess these guys have covers where they, the cover where they shot the windows out. But the other thing okay. is, like, I noticed in this episode, um, Eugene re- re- refers to the zombies as being 40 to 50 deep, mm-hmm. the population. And then Rick tells Jadis they're 20 deep. And when we actually see the camera, they're like four or five deep. They're only five by five. Like, that's that's deep if you're rolling in, like, a posse with Sir Mix-a-Lot. Mm-hmm. But keeping an armed, <laughs> determined armed aggressor inside of a compound, I don't, like, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's some combination of walkers and snipers that's yeah keeping them at bay, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know either. But, um... So that 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 all that all happens. Um, mm-hmm. Eugene is coming up with a plan to Negan, and it's going to require an asshole to ammo. The brilliant plan is just shoot our way out, boss, mm-hmm. and I'll refill your bullets like you know I can do. And that's the other question: like, if you found out someone could make bullets on a large scale, why wouldn't you begin implementing that plan immediately? Why would you fuck around with? intercom systems and metallic zombies and all the other bullshit that he's been working on. Right. Like, like, uh, fuck no, you can't fix my wife's boom box. Make bullets, <laughs> mullet boy. He doesn't have the equipment. But he doesn't have it. But the saviors are all the time bringing truckloads of all kinds of shit back. Yeah. They brought fucking this coffin back. I, d- I don't. You know what's smaller than a coffin? A, gu- a, a fucking ammunition reloader. I'm just trying to remember whether or not they knew about Eugene's bullet-making capabilities. Did he tell them about that? Yeah. I know he did this episode, but before that? No, no, yeah, like he, like, surely they did. I have, I have no idea, Because honestly. Because uh, Negan found out that they were using reloaded bullets on one of the attacks they made on Alexandria. Oh, and he knew somebody knew how to make it, but he didn't know it was Eugene. I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought he did know Eugene. Maybe. Eh, I'm not anyway. sure. Anyway. Um, also, I guess if he if he was holding out, wouldn't there be an element of that in in the plan? Like yeah, you could be yeah. like, you could make bullets this whole time, and I've been plying you with Yar's Revenge and jars of pickles <laughs> and some fucking monkey f- doll and my wife's company, and you've been holding out on me. Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, Eugene says there's also one other thing, and Dwight busts in with a status report with Mohawk Lady and. Eugene can't confront Dwight in front of, like, to his face. Even though he has Negan there. Yep. Um, Who he should be more afraid of. He should be more afraid of Negan and less afraid of Dwight. And he just gave the ultimate evil I've made to turn to the dark side speech. And we already know Dwight can't kill him. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, this shares a lot of the same problems that episode three had as well, where it's just like, you know, hmm. This is guy's ultimate evil yeah, now. Yeah, after but... this fucking double down, I don't understand. I, like, I, to my in my mind, Eugene's got to die. There's no way. Like this goes. Be, like I thought Gabriel got off easy, mm-hmm. but there's no fucking way that this kind of actual treason can be forgiven, right? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if if Negan finds out, I guess before it's too late. Yeah, then Eugene. It's a good thing we know that eventually Rick's mercy will overcome his wrath mm-hmm. because they fucking foreshadowed that in the, the early goings of the season. Um, Eugene, uh, so so he, he improvises that in reality what he's excited about is fixing the intercom system, which I think I kind of believe that Negan would believe that that's actually what he was excited about. Like, it's weird and disappointing and upsetting, but, well, fuck, you know, it's Eugene. 
Mm-hmm. But also just like the grand plan is just to sh- I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't know about the bullets. I mean, if he didn't know about the bullets, it makes more sense. But it also um, doesn't make sense that Negan wouldn't be a little bit fucking chafed about that. And also, this is going to leave him extraordinarily vulnerable because it takes uh-huh. a while to make that many bullets. Yes. The number of bullets they unleash to take out these walkers right. is immense. Right. What's it going to take? A week? Two right. weeks? It, two it, months? Yeah, it looks like they had you know a pretty fancy loading rig, like you you know a high end one that you'd buy off of you know rifle a quarterly or whatever. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, I'm a subscriber. Yeah, yeah rifle yeah, quarterly. Yeah. Um, it didn't look like they had, had like a cartridge factory or anything where they yeah. could just mass produce ammo. Like you know he could probably make a couple hundred rounds a day. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's, like I said, huge advantage. You'd be doing that from the beginning. But maybe he didn't know. And maybe Negan didn't care. I don't know. Uh, so then we see a, a shot of Eugene suffering alone in his quarters as the gunfire roars and they're cleaning the facility of zombies. And he drinks his 1.5 ounces of wine, realizes it's not doing the job, starts chugging the bottle. He gets about a half a cup in and throws up multiple times. All right. Let me throw out a theory here. He's allergic to wine. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's what putting to sleep yeah. a complex yeah. autoimmune disorder. <laughs> he it's swells like Charlie, up five times his size. Like Charlie eating cat food and all his <laughs> It's not the cat food makes him drowsy; it just makes him really sick. All right, well, what's your theory? Uh, let me say, I, I think Eugene is going to have one more flip, and it's going to get him killed. Just one. One more flip here. Uh, he could potentially, if he really wanted to save his friends from mm. inside, convince Negan to waste all that ammo and then refuse to make more. Yes. that would If he's be... that tortured by his decision here, then he should refuse to make more ammo. That sh- okay. And it would cost him his life. It will cost him his life. But it would save his friends. It would, although... And it I... would make him not the quote-unquote weak, cowardly person he is. Although, if if Negan can't find anyone in the sanctuary that can reload cartridges... Yeah, stuff some with, gunpowder into bullets. With, with the actual, I mean, the, the tools and uh, equipment provided, I don't yeah. know. And, don't know. and what's sure to be a library book from somewhere sure. about the thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, lots of libraries. I bet they're not very well looted. No, not at all. Uh, so Rick then discovers what comes after, and surprise, surprise, it's a fucking Mad Max zombie. Uh, they literally take a zombie, they welded a bucket to its head, they covered the bucket full of spikes, so all it can do is bite. Mm-hmm. It can't see, it doesn't look like it can hear or smell, but it can bite, and it's led around on this, this, like, like, like what you would use to catch a wild dog with. Like, it's like, it's like a 10 foot pole with a loop at the end. Mm-hmm. And Rick is forced to his knees with his hands tied. And they're just going to let this zombie bite him to death, I guess. And Rick guess says, so. fuck that. And with his bound hands, punches the guy behind him. Mm-hmm. Somehow, the guy in front of him, even though that zombie's six inches away, loses control of the zombie. Rick wrangles him. He then tears the zombie's head off and wields it, swings it around like it's a fucking bow staff mounted zombie head mace. Mm-hmm. Uh, sub and the whole time, J- uh, Jadis is screaming, "Subdue, subdue!" <laughs> and Rick somehow gets the upper hand on her, forces her to the ground, puts his knee on her face, and ra- r- rings a concession out of her. Yeah. And that's how it happened. That isn't immediately reversed when he lets go of his hostage. Right. 
Uh, right, and what, yeah. Like, we know these people are liars, and they take it, they won't uh-huh. bother. Why wouldn't, as soon as she gets up, they she just, like, kill him? Yeah. Like, this is not even Bond villainy, which is already tropey and stupid. That's no, bad. Uh, so, here's I, and here's my thing. It's so obvious that everything that's not in the comic books is fucking terrible, and mm-hmm. everything in the comic books is at least passable. I, I, I want to renew the question... Of why the fuck they're not just doing the comic book story? Mm-hmm. Just, 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 just want to ask for my own sanity. Why they're not telling the straightforward, fairly compelling story of a desperate team trying to fight the first world war in the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. Why do we have to gussy it up with colorful trash people? I mean, aside from the recasting, I think Guy Ferrari would probably just tell tell the comic book story, right? For the yeah. most part. You would have to... And he would put his flourishes on there, it, but they'd be lot, good. There's a lot of rough ground you'd have to, bri- to drive across because they've done fatal yeah. damage, literally fatal in some cases, damage to characters that are a vital part of the comic storyline. So you'd have to... You'd have to drive over some pretty rough and broken ground to get back to that track. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think it's the thing to do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand any of this scene. And, it's the, it's not a plan. It's a suicide mission. Yeah. It's a Hail Mary it that, is. that could not have possibly been stage two of the actual no. plan. Uh, and yet it's played like it is. It It's so completely dumb. And it, I think it... <laughs> There are parts of it that I like. The Day of the Dead homage with him leading this these dumb fucks around on sticks yeah, uh, and kind of using them as tools. I, I think is interesting um, from like a just a, oh, hey, I see what they did there. But it's so bad. And, yeah. and the idea of ripping a zombie's head off and using it as like a mace is pretty fucking sweet. But right. none of none of anything else that happens in the scene is believable. And it's uh, it's staged. Everything is staged so poorly. Yeah. Like literally the setup of like like. No one, no one. Like, I wonder if, if it was even written on the script, or the director just got there and he's like, "Okay, well, I got to figure this out." Because uh, it's yeah. just unbelievably poorly staged. And someone reminded me on the internet that this was the episode that the stuntman apparently died in. Oh, right, yeah. So this show, yeah, I, I didn't want anybody to die for this episode. No, it's That's a, a it's shame. Re, it's a real tragedy that yeah. anyone died on this. Sh- on 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 the, the the shoddy action that I saw I saw here yeah um, I mean, or I elsewhere it could it's probably yeah, it wasn't happen. the scene yeah, yeah I yeah. wouldn't think um but yeah and then there's this like comic relief scene where Jadis is trying to post hoc bargain for Rick's sculpted body uh huh where she's like well we get all the savior shit and he goes you'll get a quarter share which that's that's not a traitor's portion like if I was the, if I was the onk com uh, um uh axis I'd be like they get an equal sh- a, a traitor. The ju- they get the Judas share, which is twenty five percent. Fuck that. Hey, the, they get to escape the, the, with real their apostles lives. Got nothing. They get to escape with their lives and to rejoin this awesome society that we're building mm-hmm. under. But but and I don't know. I don't fucking know. Like, well, how do you play real politic in this stupid stupid show? Uh, you can give them. You can give them the quarter of the goods that are just literal trash. <laughs> like just here's right. here's your stuff and yeah. dump a tr- garbage truck on them. You're, the the one wall of the Savers Complex is the one that that Daryl drove a garbage truck through, the immaculate garbage truck that then disappeared as soon as it's, yeah. it's although it was there. <laughs> That's the thing we see there, Rick yeah. in in this scene. So he talks them into coming. They load them all in the flat trucks and they 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 bustle off to the Savior Complex. Mm. And Rick, uh, first of all, the way that Rick carries his hatchet, where it's naked and it's sharp facing forward and it's on its hip it seems like he would cut himself 
to ribbons. Yeah. Multiple times a day, just swinging your arms and walking. Mm-hmm. Um, second, he grabs the radio and he says, this is Rick Grimes. Anybody copy? And he holds the talk button down for five or six seconds and he lets it go. Like, Rick, do you not understand how walkie talkies <laughs> like 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 what if Daryl was saying, yeah, Rick, I'm here. What do you need? And then Rick tries it once. It's like, oh, there's no one there. So he climbs up this water tower and he gets a sniper right and he uh, out and he, he he plies it over the sanctuary complex and he sees that it's empty. You can still see the garbage truck driven through the wall, mm-hmm. uh, but it's empty. Oh, my God. Where have they gone? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, would Rick. It, Rick should lose his goddamn mind up here, though, because he had a plan, it was working, and just everybody decided to fuck it up. Yeah, like, it'd be funny if it's like, oh, garbage truck, yeah, nice improvisation. Like, I, but wouldn't the move then be to take the sanctuary? Or I guess maybe that's what Negan... So, I, I think what's going to happen is Negan goes to Alexandria. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if Rick just swaps him. Swap. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got your home, I got your home. My home's got Yars Revenge and Pickle Jars. Oh. My home's got hot water and solar power. Oh, fuck. Fuck, I fucked it up again. Also, I got your baby. <laughs> well, I got I your... Got, I got your wives. <laughs> <laughs> I can make more babies. Uh, so, yeah, that's the episode. All right. The sanctuary's empty, just like the writer's room. I think it's time for Rick to kill Daryl, as an example to everyone. Become full Negan. He's got... He at least got to go... got to get checked into the Hotel Hilltop... Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's got... He's a wildcat. Like, 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 if Eugene doesn't die, he goes to the 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 Hilltop Hilton. I'm going mm-hmm. to repurpose a Vietnam-era word. And then and then Daryl's got a joint there. Yeah. And probably Tara. And probably Morgan. Because Morgan's crazy yeah. anyway. Well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we have some feedback. Morgan, as everybody knows, is going over to Fear the Walking Dead. We have some feedback on like how that might happen because we haven't seen Fear season three, so right. we don't know the status of that show. But there is some feedback on it, so I don't know that he can do much with Morgan because Morgan's time on the show is very, very limited, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to Fear the Walking Dead, then yeah, he's. I don't think he he's going to be on season? both shows. Is he going to be on? Did, 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 have we heard if he's? If he, was he filming for the second half of this season? Mm, I'm not sure. Huh? I'm not sure. All right. Well, I hear that that is a better show. People have said the season yeah. three of Fear the Walking Dead is actually legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy for Lenny James. I'm ha- yeah. I'm happy for I mean, Lord Shax to get away from the show and some- move on to something else. He has been one of the better actors in the show. Yeah, and but that, I mean, despite his character being given some really ridiculous flip-flops, uh, I think he has been able to... Do the most with the least. Although it's interesting you say that because, in my opinion, you have to get pretty far off into the secondary tier characters to find bad actors. Like, yeah, that's fair. They, they, they're like they're they're actors of the week, like the Slaptown administrators uh-huh. and some of the the Negan's bosses. But like most of Rick's crew has always been like super solid. Like I'm trying to think of. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like, is it who who plays Eugene Josh Mc? Dermot is 
don't start that shit with I, me. I don't know his McDaniels? name. McDaniels? Josh McDermott. Okay. Um, Ian I, McShane. I, I don't think he's bad. <laughs> I think he played – they just never turned his character. They never they, – he never had a second secondary boost for his character. Yeah. This has been this one-note moron the whole time. Uh, but, but, I, but, I mean, that's kind of been true of Morgan, too. I mean, he yeah. has had – uh, an arc very oh, yeah. similar to like Rick, except he never he never dug out of it, right? Like he's been flip flopping back and forth between gotta kill them all, can't kill anyone, right? Over and over, and he, uh, I mean, maybe it's not fair to say that the other actors aren't good, but he has certainly been a standout in some episodes. Yeah, there have been moments where I'm like, damn, that was a great performance from him. Whereas other people, I'm like, okay, they haven't had bad performances. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll see what he does on Fear, or maybe we won't. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to watch it. But yeah, who knows? I mean, I uh, I I'm I'm very I'm kind of curious to check it out. But that's the problem. Like I don't want to go through a half season. Like I because I stopped the first half of season one. Yeah, and then I think we watched one more show for some stupid reason. The the season opener season season one or season one B, and we didn't like that. And I've not heard anything about season two, so like, I, do I really want to slog through a season and a half of bad shit to get to a, a decent zombie show? That's fair. I wonder if you could just pick it up. Yeah, just maybe. say context be damned. Or like, if it's like, is there like a, a season like like if if they start season three like with a last on, you know? Because sometimes they do that that yeah, kind of yeah. recap it. Like if you just go with that and roll with it. Because mm-hmm. the only characters I really gave a damn about was the heroin addict and his Batman friend that owned their yacht. Yeah, uh-huh. that dude is cool. Yeah, that dude was. is cool. That's mm-hmm. like if they cast Idris Elba as Batman mm-hmm. and he was just Bruce Wayne for the first part of the zombie apocalypse. I want to know what happened to that guy. Probably got killed at sea in like the second episode. And yeah, those <sighs> water walkers are rough. Yeah, yeah. The surf, the surf zombies. <laughs> they come up behind surfboards and they got their board shorts. They're not. They're nothing to be fucked with, man. Yep. All right. So, are we ready for some feedback? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. As we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, this, this podcast is sponsored by the fine folks at Sonos, uh, who want to tell us to tell you about their 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 integrated like whole house audio system for for TV and music lovers. Uh, because we've been using it for the past couple months, and honestly, I can't say enough good things about it. Here's the unique things about Sonos: unlike a lot of like home theater setups or uh, whole house speaker setups. The the setup is super easy. You literally mm-hmm. pull out a box, plug it into power, download the Sonos app, and you are minutes away from being finished. Um, it also uses uh, your Wi-Fi technology to communicate instead of Bluetooth. And the advantages of that are a lot. Have you ever been to a place that's like someone's you know DJing a speaker and they go use the bathroom and the sound cuts off, or they have to leave <laughs> and the sound cuts off, uh-huh. or you know, you go from the back patio to the living room. You want music there. You can only have it one place or the other. Sonus is cool because, like, it, 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 it builds, like, this kind of, like, network where you can have all the speakers playing the same thing or each individual speaker in different rooms playing different things. And, again, you don't have to run any speaker wire or anything. If you if you got a room that's got power, it's Sonos enabled. Um, their new one speaker is voice activated. So if you got your hands full of dishes or food or cleaning up after your cat threw up you can still skip tracks and increase volume and change playlists yeah that's Uh, a killer feature for me because i i have become accustomed with the maybe two three months of using the sonos products to just saying everything that i want to (laughs) do yeah instead of like going and actually doing it like uh, i don't want to i'll just say 
Alexa Volume 5, yeah. Alexa Volume 10. I don't go to the app anymore. Right. I just turn the volume up with my voice. It's yeah, yeah, great. yeah. And it's cool because we've been having some holiday parties and it's neat to kind of like pipe the house full of like fancy dinner music or if you want, we're decorating, been decorating our tree and inside and we, we piped the whole house full of Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Uh, even oh, this this weekend as raking leaves, I took one of the speakers outside <laughs> uh, bec- and, and, and plugged it in because apparently these are rated for moisture resistance and they encourage you to use them on patios and porches and things. So Did you make a new room for it? or did you just No, kinda... I just drugged the kitchen out to the back door, outdoors, and it plugged yeah. in and worked. No, so. the voice stuff is awesome because, I mean, like, I can, I can tell Sonos where to play my music without actually going into the app. Like, I can say, Alexa, play Christmas music in the den. Mm-hmm. And it will, it will, like, I've defined the room already, so it knows where to play that just simply by telling it where to play it. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's cool, and it's hard to articulate all the things you can do in the situations. It's, yeah. it's neat. Like, you know, I've just, like, while I'm getting my keys and wallet as I'm, I'm getting ready to walk out the door, I've, I've made a habit of asking it about what the weather's like. Yep. So I was like, oh, do yep. I, because, you know, Midwest, uh, sometimes you can get away with the hoodie, sometimes you can do the, the parka. Sure. And you don't know until you walk outside, and it's cool to just have, like, it's like having a little assistant. And setting alarms, like being able to, like, set a timer for 30 minutes so I don't burn some fucking thing I'm cooking without getting out my phone and doing all this stuff. It's, it's super mm-hmm. sweet. So, yeah. Jim, what offer is Sonos making to our listeners today? Uh, right now they're offering the listeners of our podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. Use the promo code WATCHING10, that's capital W-A-T-C-H-I-N-G-1-0, at Sonos.com to receive the offer. Can't combine it with any other discounts or promotions, and it's available for a limited time only. So if that sounds like something that would be cool for you to have um, that you're interested in or maybe you're looking to upgrade soon, I'd say do it now because this is a limited time thing. Sonos One, make a great Christmas present. I'd, I'd love someone one. someone on your list, you'd blow, blow them away. But I, sonically... I have five of them already, and I'd love another. <laughs> I know. Like, what yeah. room doesn't need a Sonos speaker, right? Right. Uh, and, yeah, you'll blow them away, both with your generosity and with your their, their, their newfound Sonic ability. Uh, check them out. Uh, we love them. And thanks to Sonos for sponsoring our podcast. All right, we start off with Luke says, I enjoyed your discussion this week about how to fix The Walking Dead, but sadly I think AMC would be better off putting it out of its misery at this point. But even with that said, The Walking Dead name still carries a certain measure of brand recognition. So what's the best way forward? Here's my idea for a fresh take on the series. Why not do a Walking Dead spinoff in the style of True Detective or Fargo where each season is a standalone and focuses on new context and a new set of characters? Anthology! Exactly. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see the rise and consequences of the zombie apocalypse from a variety of perspectives and scenarios. Surely there are an infinite number of stories to tell in this style. I think this approach, um, approaching the show this way, would keep the content fresh. The plot line's interesting and might even give them a chance to sprinkle some big-name stars into the cast like other shows I mentioned. What do you think about that? Well... It does seem to be working for American Horror Show. Like, no matter how bad a season gets, you always... It's kind of like following a sports team where it's like, well, you always got next season. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this this thing, this cult thing was a real shit show, but, like, you know, next year it'll be better. Um, and they do get some pretty... Like, Ryan Murphy is able to pull down some pretty big stars. Now, usually when he gets an influx of big talent, it's because, like, hey, I got Cuba Gooding to be OJ in my American Crime Story, so I'm going to get him to be on Roanoke and stuff like that. Hmm. But it, it does work. On the other hand, I'd have to know who is attached because... If it's Gimple and company and and other Walking Dead alum, that's the problem. It's there is a problem 
in the writers room and the AMC executives and I'm not sure who's more to blame but like that the blame rests there so if they I'm thinking they would see an uh, an anthology as an endless series of red machetes mm-hmm. which is terrible like red machete is the fucking oh, like it's fuck me we didn't talk about this week's red machete but we never do because it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's forgettable and it's bad and yeah. but but yet if you want to see who is going to be a featured director for next season the walking dead i bet it's whoever did this camera or the the whoever the dp was in this fucking red machete shit mm-hmm. so i the the rot you know the fish rots from the head or whatever the fucking saying <laughs> That's is what they say yeah yeah the fish rots from the head of barrels and I I, I you got it until you get like a theoretical guy Ferrari uh I you know that was you know that's took it on a life of its own but I do think that there is tons of filmmakers that have done interesting like like what if you gave this a James Wan. Oh man! Like like somebody's got a I real no a real passion like. for horror and so yeah. and like and said like look we want you we want to be put we have lost the 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 boutique mystique mm-hmm. and we want it back and we want you to do a good job and we want this to be scary and tense and we want to feel like we want we want our fans to be back on pins and needles like like it, it it's got to be somebody's got a passion for the material and there's got to be tons of them out there mm-hmm. that would work on if you gave them creative control and i don't know like i don't i don't know i, I don't know why hbo can spend 10 million dollars an episode on game of thrones um and this show is spending ninety thousand dollars on andrew lincoln like oh. I, I don't get it yeah so i i found out that there have been some contract renegotiations since uh season seven i think oh yeah uh yeah so those numbers are no longer accurate okay ninety thousand from last week that i said yeah um apparently norman reedus was able to renegotiate his contract for five hundred and fifty thousand per episode and he's doing that's better that's better like daryl has been hardly even part of the action uh well if you go back to like season seven i think he was doing plenty suffering in that that cage but i guess it's true but yeah, I I mean he that is more along the lines of what these people should be getting paid. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Like industry standard kind of stuff. Uh, Norman Norman Reed is making five fifty. Lincoln is making six hundred and eighteen thousand ish. So, you know, not doing too bad for himself. It's still not a million dollars for doing right. whatever fucking you know Chandler on Friends was doing. No, I mean, so the cast of Big Bang Theory. Um, which I think when they say cast, I mean the the three dudes at the at the like center of it, mm-hmm. um, the three nerds. I don't the know four, their names. The four nerds. They're four nerds. I think so. Yeah, you got the hero nerd, and then you got the you got you Sheldon. Got, I know you Sheldon. The, you, got the, Sheldon. In, you got you got you got the hero nerd. You got the Sheldon nerd. You got the foreign nerd, and you got the other nerd. There's another nerd. There's another nerd. Yeah. Who's the other nerd? He, uh, he's he's the guy that played the uh, uh, what was the moist moisture, the guy on uh, Doctor Horrible Sing Along. Okay, See? yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot there is about another the, nerd. the moist nerd. Yeah, the moist nerd. <laughs> so they're making twenty two million. Kelly Cuckoo or Coca. She's if, if she's not paying what the guys are getting make then like, oh the neighbor yeah 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 okay uh, but they. Uh, the cast, whatever that means, of Big uh-huh. Bang Theory took home twenty-two million in a season, and uh, apparently oh, they're the not girl... making a million dollars an episode. Then mm, I don't know how many. Oh, is episodes that per they do. or to, collectively? 
uh, twenty-two million each in ah, a season. Yes, so that's a million per episode. Yeah, a million bucks. Okay. And then apparently the Gilmore Girls are fucking banking. They're making two point five million dollars each per episode. Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls for the Netflix revival. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I don't know if it's each. They say the two Alexis Bledel and uh-huh. Lauren Graham are hauling in over two point five million per episode. Okay. So maybe combined two point five. That was, million? That was only four episodes too. Four episodes? Yeah, when they brought the Gilmore Girls oh, back, it was nothing. like four 90-minute episodes. Like okay. four, four, four mini-movies. Regardless. I feel like we're and getting yeah, off yeah, in the if, weeds. If you've if you, if not gotten the subtext, Aaron is a legit Gilmore Girls fan. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, you you <laughs> joined a, a podcast for an I episode, did. didn't you? I did. Yeah. Well, do you remember Return the Return to Stars Hollow. Okay. Um, I believe is the name of it. Um, yeah, I did I did a thing of, I did a thing of, with them a year or two ago. Hmm. Cool. All right, let's move on to Stephen D. Uh, he says, I believe the entire season eight has turned the corner from realistic to Z Nation comic style. This is why I love the dumb stunts and am able to suspend disbelief easily now. Uh, I love this version of The Walking Dead as I no longer have serious emotional investment. Love the podcast as always, but they're absolutely playing on the comic part now. So I guess this is a defense of why things are so silly and stupid. Um, he met, he cites the rocket launcher explosion mm-hmm. from last week. Mm-hmm. Um video game gunfire scenes which is like every episode uh yeah i mean there's there's something about this show that is not letting me sit back and relax and like stay calm and just fucking enjoy it because i think it's that they take their themes too seriously if they if they were clearly just trying to have fun and not trying to like impart some special wisdom that these writers have on their audience i would Mm -hmm. be much more inclined to say yep let's just enjoy it for what it is it's comic schlock let's do this but that goes back they take to, it too seriously that goes back to an earlier feedback theory that what the show needs is less budget right yeah like right now it's in the uncanny valley where it's just serious enough that you can't just dismiss it as like z nation bullshit mm-hmm. but there's enough z nation bullshit that you can't take it serious right it's it's caught somewhere in the middle it's it's a show that and here's the thing like you can say whatever you want about our opinion but i just just before i sat down a podcast I saw that The Walking Dead's ratings is like 7.4 million with a 3.3 share. Yeah, that's not opinion. In key demographic. That's they lost half their audience since the finale of season 6. I mean, more than half. They were at 10 million, yeah, or 17 million at one point. They've uh, lost I mean, 10 million people at this point. I'm going to go with like for like there was like a 15 million I think on the re- like season uh, 7 episode 1. Like that's catastrophic. Yeah. Like so you know, I, you know, I, I feel kind of vindicated that, you know, I, I'm not just a guy sh- shrieking into the void here. No, like, absolutely. That's it, it's not an outsider opinion that this no. show sucks now. No. I mean, you look on Reddit and getting worse and accelerating. Right. Now, the outsider opinion is I still love this show. Right. And it, it has not gotten worse. That yeah. is that is crazy to me to hold that opinion because it has so clearly gotten bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. All right, Mac W says, My four-year-old son and I play around just about nightly before bed. We act out skits with cars, trucks, or action figures, and he's quite imaginative. He makes up what will happen next. An example would be, yeah, and then he pushes the train into the ocean and he sinks to the bottom. Then Captain America has to swim down and save him. After the most recent episode, I think my son could be a writer on The Walking Dead. <laughs> I can just see him in the writer's room. And then the one truck is getting away, and a garbage truck comes out of nowhere and smashes him. Yeah. And then Gimple rubs, rubs his chin. I like it. Let's it's Axe it. Cop. It's Axe Cop, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just, I I don't know. It struck me as funny. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, I would like maybe they don't need Guy Ferrari. Maybe they need like a team of eight year olds to just be the Department of Awesome. Yeah. Like here is our lame bullshit script that's going to set out to do a bunch of lofty artistic things. Are going to fall flat on the face. All right, kids, what do you think? And anytime they're like boring or what, like they like, hey, what do you think should happen? Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, like I, I could probably enjoy a show with more rocket launcher explosions. Yeah. I can't sh- enjoy a show that's slower and more plotting and more pretentious, which right. is what I feel like it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike D, um, talking about Fear the Walking Dead, which we we kind of discussed, but he wanted to reassure us it really is that good. Uh, he's watched all three seasons, and while season one was rough, season two showed some promise, and season three was really, really good. Of course, Gimple is supposed to be helping with it, and they're sending Morgan there to memorialize and they'll ruin it because that's what AMC does. Uh, that's, yeah, that's the one thing we haven't really considered is that Morgan is just going to go over there and play the same character with the same uh, quality of writing, and he'll destroy that show as well. Well, because that's the other thing, unfortunate thing, is wasn't the news I read a couple weeks ago that Scott Gimple is going to take over show running for Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, yeah, I mean, he says... Is, Mike says he'll be helping with it, but so my, I don't know my what that question means. is: What is AMC's execs thinking? Like they finally cobbled together a show that people are like, "Hey, not bad, pretty good." Like I know, let's drop the gimp, let's airlift Gimple in there. Mm-hmm. But the, the, like they the the show overrun a budget five thousand an episode. They need to bring the Gimple in to drop the hammer. Maybe I, I like don't what know, is this five oh five? And you still got fingers on keyboards? Get the fuck out of here! I'm playing overtime. Like I, I don't know how it works in the the AMC studios writing rooms, but. I just wonder if he's going to be doing both because stretching Gimple thinner is probably not going to do great things to either show. Uh huh. I I I know that the schedule for writing this thing is already kind of like bonkers. Right. Like they don't get much time to write any of it. So now you're going to have a showrunner running two shows at the same time. That's a very very difficult thing to do. And it hasn't been proven that it's working on The Walking Dead, yeah. let alone both. Right. So that worries me. Yeah, um, it's, it's more stretched more thin, like talent pool and, and attention. And like that. I mean, now, get, and now like, he's going to he, bring in his writing buddies and his directing buddies, and it's going to turn and, into and, the same and, shit. And it's going to be around that, like, instead of having some time off to let it's just going to be around it's going to be like you, you gipple's going to be working on the walking dead around the clock yeah. he's going to be the double d's in season seven he's going to burn himself out right and say, Which, what is eh. a get burnt out gimple writing look like <laughs> i don't know what's man. a gimple that just doesn't give a fuck uh-huh i don't know there's a, there's there's evidence that maybe maybe it get it makes maybe, the show better and maybe he checked out like two seasons ago and just like well you know fuck it that would coincide with the time that the show started getting really, really bad. Right. It's almost Season like, six. yeah, like, I don't know. I was, I'm, I'm, I was reading a lot of threads on r slash The Walking Dead, and it seems like a lot of people are, are pinpointing the the end of season six where they, they, they fucked up the essentially red wedding of this comic book for absolutely right. a naked, aggressive yeah. grab for ratings for next season and it completely backfired and people have never come back and it's like it's just steadily bleeding bleeding viewers since then. I mean, it feels yeah. like that's compelling because that's when, I mean, the whole fan base lost their fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and it was on top of the Glenn Dumpster fiasco on, on top of that. And then you come back and then, I don't know, you, like they try to make it up by beating Glenn and Abraham to death. No, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked, if you want to hear, uh, 
Yeah. The just our outrage at that whole situation. Go back and listen to those episodes because it is, we were pissed off as much as any of the other fans were. It is funny how people like it, people are now kind of in retrospect pointing to season four and five as like the show's glory days, which may be. In the mid, yeah. in, when, when I was watching it, it didn't feel that way. But mm-hmm. like season four or five, you're talking about seasons where you had fully half of the episodes in the season being good. Yeah. Being B plus or above. Uh-huh. And then in season six, it just started, and then seven and eight have been god-awful. They have. So, But I don't know. I always have a soft spot for season one and, and even two. Like, two had a lot of, like, what had the early signs of a lot of stuff we decried later, which is, you know, bizarre character flip-flops and getting, you know, and, and, and zigzagging and stuff like that. But it also had some really quality drama and character interactions and... Mm-hmm. You know, it had the abortion pill fiasco, and here's your hair care and your fucking magazine. You know, but it, it's it had Andrea shooting Daryl out of spite. You know, right. like it had a lot of weird stuff in it too. But, but it felt like it was a largely good season with moments of dumbness. Had in Glenn it. in the well, yeah, exactly. But, but then now they flip flopped it, and it's a largely dumb season with moments with moments of, of maybe some okay stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike D continues. He says, "I've watched some good to decent shows." go from bad to terrible in the past er lost and big bang theory come to mind most of the time these shifts occur with shows that have stayed on the air too long the walking dead's trajectory has been much different though it's hard to say the exact reason though we can certainly speculate increasingly i realize i would give my left arm to read a tell-all from someone in a position to know what happened who was at fault i'd love to hear someone who worked in the writer's room or was an episode director or even scott gimple himself at this point that story interests me far more than the show itself my question for you guys is, who would we be most likely to hear from? Or, no, sorry, who would you most like to hear from? Uh, man, I... <laughs> Chris Hardwick. I want to hear from Chris Hardwick, because I know he has had the conversations. Like, he's backstage with these guys going, you got to give me something to work with. Uh-huh. I have to get up there in front of 10 million people every week, and I have to hawk your shit i'm a shill for you fucks and you can't give me one ounce of quality writing yeah i want an explanation at least if you're not gonna give me that he's a creature of the internet and you know like his emails and tweets and instagram there's got to be a shit show yeah um some of this stuff i don't know maybe people i i'm trying to think because like it would be really funny if like scott uh like like kirkman if he's like this whole time, like I've thought I've cast him as one of the villains, but like what if he was like the creator that slowly saw like everything that was enjoyable uh, about his comic get leached out and he's like, been swallowing it because he doesn't want to fuck up his money. Um, it'd be, and he's also very snarky and mm-hmm. shitty when he like stri- finally strikes back at people. Like occasionally he'll like take a brick back to fans and his, his, his talk back sections of his comics. So it'd be super entertaining to read that. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, if it'd be interesting to see like, like Norman Reedus or Andrew Lincoln come out and shit all over it. Like when everything is said and done, and kind of the way that like yeah. some of the Twilight people have like, yo, no, that was totally shitty. We just were cashing checks, kind of. Like, I think like twenty years from now, I'd like Chandler Riggs to do one. Oh wow! Like what it was like from the kids' perspective, seeing all the stuff go down. Yeah. Or the other thing that would be interesting would be to see some of the people that worked on like The Wire. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, like like Chad, uh-huh. like like get Chad and Lawrence and uh, Seth and yeah. like okay, 
we worked on one of the best written intricately plotted shows and professionally run and then we went to this zombie thing compare and contrast yeah hmm that'd be a good one and you know that's the other thing is like um it would be really cool to get uh chad's perspective chad coleman's perspective because he's worked on you know the walking dead the wire and now the expanse which is the expanse Mm. is another science fiction show that could go either way it's mm-hmm. on sci-fi, and it, but it doesn't have the world's largest budget. But they take it serious, and they kind of they know do. their lane to stay in it. And like, just like I would love to know if there's something materially different between the the directing and the writing, and like you know the the the, the set experience of those shows versus The Walking Dead. The one thing I know is material different. Materially different is the number of people watching it. Yeah. Because holy shit, The Expanse is such a good show compared gets, to The Walking it gets Dead. Not even a million people watching. Yeah, that. it's like half a million or something. Yeah, but that's the thing. Look, one thing I learned from talking to like Chad and seeing him and like Melissa talk on the stage is that those actors are arguably doing a better job writing the show because they like come up with all this headcanon stuff for why their characters are doing that. And if you hear them yeah. talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, okay. If that got, if, if an ounce of that got to the screen, then this is a completely different animal. But they're just not getting any help. They're really not getting any help from the directing or the the writing on the show. Nope. Not at all. Um, okay, so Mike in Mississippi wants to talk about the the crossover with Morgan to Fear the Walking Dead as well. Let's do it. Might have something interesting to add. It says, from someone who stuck with the show despite two bad first seasons, here's the short version. The end of Fear Season 3 takes place around the same time as Season 1 of The Walking Dead in the universe's timeline. The only way a Morgan crossover could work is if Morgan is written off but not killed off of The Walking Dead at the end of Season 8 and Fear has a massive time jump of several years between its third and fourth seasons. He would then have to travel to wherever the Fear characters will be at the start of Fear's fourth season. That's a good point, because Fear, I assume, is still in the immediate aftermath of the zombie apocalypse, where we're several years down the line. I mean, he says... He says the end of Fear season three takes place around the same time as season one of The Walking Dead. So, yeah, like a few weeks... Maybe, maybe he because that takes place in California. I assume they're still in mm-hmm. California. Maybe the the story is that Morgan literally walks across. The, oh, but that doesn't work. It makes a it makes the time jump even worse. Right. If Morgan took the time, so he to would walk have to take a super fast, United States. He would have to steal that helicopter, uh-huh. fly to California, and they still have a several year time jump. Right. Maybe he like gets a super fast. He flies backwards around the Earth the at, the, at, at the speed of light, like Superman in the original right. Superman. <laughs> yep. Rolls the Earth back, and then you know that's the ultimate clear. And yeah. then what an asshole to not just keep rolling it back until the zombies don't come. At least until your kid's not dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'll solve your problem. Maybe your man. wife. Like, yeah, yeah, just keep yeah. rolling it back. Just like you know, keep keep rolling it back. Right. And I don't know. Until you, till you're like a young, like an 18 year old, and and you can try to convince the world that the zombie apocalypse is coming, and you nah. know that's the other thing is like, remember when we used to think that we might get answers about like some of the biological or scientific mm. things of the zombies, and, and like they teased that. us with Jenner, yeah, and then this yeah, and then, and then schematic even in, that he's got, <laughs> even in uh, the uh, Alexander, wait, uh, Woodbury, they were doing like scientific research on zombies yeah, and stuff Milton. like that. That shit is in our rear view mirrors, man. Yeah. We still don't know why it happens, if there might be a cure. And nobody cares. Nobody cares, yeah. Not the writers, not the characters, nobody. So, 
All right, Eric A says, random thoughts before the finale. Uh, why has no one mentioned or looked for Heath? I don't know, because he's going to be season four's Fear the Walking Dead crossover. <laughs> right. Him and Morgan are just going to get in that chopper and go. Uh, there's speculation that maybe Heath might be coming back. I saw next that, episode. too. I saw that, too. It's, specul- it's, it's pretty thin speculation. It's very thin, yeah. It's based on, like, potential silhouettes and yeah. trailers and, yeah. like... I'm not really sure. About I don't like where that took me in season five of was it season five or season six of Game of Thrones, where I was all hyped for Serial Pharrell to come back and then, oh right yeah yeah you know I I don't know but I mean they did tease it they did they had the key with the what was the PPP key mm-hmm. uh, there's he's somewhere you don't need a key to get into the sanctuary now no well that that's, whole and, plot and you never thread did. is just you, fucked you, you never did we know he's not with the trash people like mm-hmm. what he's he's not an oceanside like. The problem to get Heath back, he would have to be in some small band of survivors or or prob or maybe a large community that is so far outside that no one has ever made contact with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know where he is, and honestly, I don't care. Like, why is I it? Never what cared. is it about the Washington D.C. area that so many large and established compounds have thrived? Because that has been always maybe it's just a lot of people. The march of time. That like we've had enough time for people to consolidate and try to live together, and now we've 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 got saviors trying to consolidate all that power and yeah. Uh, so he also asked why Gabriel is sick. Did he get bit or sick from the Walker guts? It was the Walker guts. Uh, there's your answer. Um, <laughs> you wanted to know about Morgan magically joining the other snipers. Kind of like you did, which... Yeah, I mean, there was no... Like, last I saw, Morgan was, was semi-crazy. Yeah. And he just walked off. He walked off the battlefield. Yep. Um, and where the hell did the helicopter go? I mean, I don't think he's pointing out an inconsistency there. I think he genuinely has the question. I mean, that... Where is that helicopter going? That will be answered, right? It's got to be, yeah. Although they, they never answered... The helicopter was just a thing in season one. Yeah, that's true. Um... I don't know. I mean, my guess is that it's probably, like, one of Negan's or something, and he's going to, like, he's escaped the sanctuary, and now he's going to go firebomb the Alexandria or the hilltop or something. Who knows? <laughs> that would be funny if the helicopter is just, like, you know, finding survivors and just firebombing their set. Just... I mean, what else? That's a pretty effective means of killing people who, you know, rise up against you. Yeah. Air, like, the air superiority? What are you going to do about that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You're going to shoot your guns at it from yeah. 10,000 feet up? I mean, shit. Like, you do, they, people have brought down Blackhawks with <laughs> AK-47s oh. and RPGs. So. I, know, I know you can do it. Yeah. It's just, it's not an easy thing. <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine. Especially when you're shooting fake guns. Yeah. <laughs> you're simulating the... Like, like Terry, I did one of the better jobs of simulating recoil on a gun this, this episode. Like, the gunplay wasn't actively obnoxious. Did she? Okay. Probably because none I of the extras. Notice. Like it's it's usually a problem when you got the extra level of talent that's doing it. Yeah. Like you know, Tara, Rosita, Rick, they Daryl, they fucking know how to simulate gunfire. You give Carhartt uh, a pistol, and you know uh-huh. who knows what you're going to get. He's going to point it backwards. Good. He's going to recoil down. <laughs> it's going <laughs> sideways. Right. So about the barrel, the barrel kicks left and right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Kicks a different way every time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Kim G has a lot of points here, so some of them are just funny observations and questions, but we'll blaze through them. 
Uh, I think the big surprise that Talking Dead is teasing for the mid-season finale is that the Heapsters will double-cross Rick again. He's stupid if he thinks he can trust him. Well, he's stupid. Uh, yeah, so I guess there was a big tease of, like, don't miss the next episode. It's going to be epic. And to me, that's just, like, please, God, don't tune out. Right. Or, or come back Tra- for the finale, because if not, yeah. we're we're really going to lose our shit. Right. No, I mean, they've got to be scared losing half their audience in a single season. I mean, yeah. that's got to be a bad... It's one thing to hit high water and for it to start to recede, but for, like, this... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's traditionally how they've got you, right? If the the premieres and the finales, and the premiere was kind of a wah-wah. So I I know I say I this... They did it again because I remember thinking, how the fuck are they going to mess up All Out War? And I'll be damned if they haven't done it. They have, yeah. And in the worst way yet. I mean, they've messed things up in the past, but not entirely. Yeah. And it feels like All Out War has been entirely messed up yeah i mean from the decision to tell it a, a a story structure asymmetrically with the audience having no clue of what the overall plan is uh-huh i mean just base level decisions right they screwed the entire thing up all season there has been very little to redeem this half season right so I it's like know, it's like almost like if you imagine you watch dunkirk and uh-huh. you had no idea what the goal objective is you right. don't you don't even know where are the guys on the beach like some of these guys are in a beach some of these guys are in a warehouse some of these guys are fucking invading a mansion mm-hmm. and there's a lot of tense talk about there's a timeline and there's ticking clocks and there's shepherd's tones and and fucking banes in an airplane and what the hell like without knowing that these men are stuck on a beach with this advancing wave of Nazis, and the only way they can get off is like this semi-heroic effort like we knew every fucking yeah. objective so then you can then tell like a a a disjointed uh timeline of that event to kind of put yourself in the position of a soldier where you don't really know minute to minute when you're going to live when you're going to die when help's going to come but not taking that unconventional story structure and not knowing the goals it's terrible it is it's like skipping skipping act one of your story entirely there's no tension because there's no stakes because you don't understand the stakes Mm -hmm. i agree Eh. uh she also does not understand why eugene drinks a little bit of wine and vomits yeah, you guess as good as mine. Um, He's a lightweight. He's also, a lightweight. it's interesting how sometimes Rick has chest hair and sometimes he doesn't. He's one, she's wondering <laughs> if manscaping is a thing in the zombie apocalypse. Well, when Jadis gets his, her hands on you. Oh, yeah. He's going to have no hair. She man sculpts him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, the thing that I found most interesting um, is she doesn't think that Eric is dead. On Talking Dead, they made a point of saying that the actor who plays him is performing the Blue Man Group at Universal Studios, which he's done on and off for years. Uh, I can see him, Eric as a blue man, sure. <laughs> All right. You can see him covered in blue with the the, the wide eyes, you know, kind of. Yeah, like. just banging on some drums. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, smacking people's... But I don't know what they do there. It's unspeakable they used to bang things. on drums. Unspeakable things. <laughs> uh, There's now a zombie element because they're trying to get the Walking Dead fans in. and They, they also said he'll be in the next season of Homeland. Although they didn't mention how many Homeland episodes. Homeland is still a thing? I guess so. I don't okay. know, man. Uh, and I think he was picked up by another group. Maybe Dr. Carson found him and someone is hiding him. Uh, or this is a long shot. The Oceanside people have found him. The walker in the distance was someone else. And they'll have to wait until we've forgotten all about him and spring him on us when no one will care. Yeah, that sounds accurate. And it also, yeah. uh, my read of that scene was that yeah, I remember my initial read of that scene was, yeah, they're they're playing coy with Eric's fate. 
Yeah, I mean, how it's do you It's a damn give... shame, though, because once again, when you do that shit, it invalidates all the grief and the... It does. Yeah. It's... The tearful reunion is going to be complete bullshit because yeah. they never teased that it was even a possibility. Right. And they, in fact, tried to do exactly the opposite. Right. I mean, fake-out deaths are only only good in the moment, like... When when, Her- when when Indiana Jones goes off the cliff with the tank, uh-huh. if three movies later an aging Sean Connery found out he wasn't dead at all, like, yeah. what the fuck? I don't uh, yeah. And they still, call- I don't know. I, I just, they just, they just flaunt the conventions of storytelling. Like, they're fucking Matt, like, like, they're Darren Aronofsky or something, and they're not. No, and this ties into the idea Even Darren that- Aronofsky gets himself in some fucking trouble occasionally. Yeah, that's true. But th- this ties itself into the idea that this is a fucking laboratory for film students right like you have to learn the fucking rules before you can bend them before you can break them yes and if you don't ever learn the rules right you're not allowed to try this artsy fartsy shit and go against the grain yeah but they continue to do it then that's why it continues that's why it continues to feel like a film student project yeah all right, Jack D. Hey, guys, long time, first time. Before I continue with my question, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I promise this is getting somewhere uh, that I, I want to talk about. I'm eight, I'm 18 as of now, but I found you guys when I was maybe 14 or 15. Oh, well. E- either way, you guys, and specifically watching Dead, have made a considerable impact on the way I view TV. If it's Breaking Bad, Leftovers, or Fargo, I always know where to go for the best post-coverage uh, that acts like a conversation with friends more than a discussion. So, so thanks for being the best. I, can we just talk about how bad I feel about influencing 14 and 15 year olds? Because when I'm making the show, the idea that kids would be listening to this never crosses my mind in the least. It and doesn't. when I'm reminded of it, it horrifies me. <laughs> it doesn't. But on the other hand, I know what the shit I, what I was watching as a 13 and 14 for year sure. old. And yeah. I, you know, I try to be a little bit more thoughtful than that. That's true. I mean, we're not PewDiePie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Markiplier, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so there's that. I don't know. Every time I, I consider that kids are listening to me say the F word. I'm thinking like... Uh, if, you're 18 if, now, so I guess I can say If you're an unsupervised child on the internet, mm-hmm. I'd rather you be hanging out at Aaron's house than, than some others I know. That's why I'm saying that. Okay, that's fair. That you're, makes me feel a lot better, not, so you're, thank you you're, for that. you're not going to get molested at Uncle Jim and Aaron's house. <laughs> that's true. We're just going to hang out and play foosball. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's going to be cool. Some of those other places, don't not so sure about. But maybe we have influenced him because he goes on and says, anyway, The Walking Dead has really been a huge piece of dog shit this half season, <laughs> and we have experienced many other signs of incompetency throughout the show's runtime, like the unbearable Glenn fake out and the never-ending cycle of moralizing. I'm curious when the breaking point is for you guys. Is there still fun being had in a show that I can't see the fun in? Will y'all still cast for as long as the show is still on the air? I can't promise that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, who knows what the schedule is going to be like and all the things we talk about. Um, will we still be having as much fun with it two years from now if it still sucks? I don't know. And it's weird because I do feel like I've I've heard two consistent feedbacks from our fan base. Um, one is this season's been funny. It's been the funniest thing you guys have done in a long time, <laughs> uh-huh. which, okay. And the second is when your episodes just are nothing but criticism over and over and over again, it's boring and repetitive and we tune out. Yeah. It's moralizing. And we right. Don't, we but, don't need that. Yeah. So like, how can both of those things be true at the same time? And like, am I becoming Gimple? Because like he, over his tenure, like when he started his tenure, there were still people like Alan Seppenwall covering The Walking Dead mm-hmm. as a peak television show. 
that started to bleed away and like every single time he'd like see like someone like andy greenwald say fuck the walking dead i'm not going to do it. it's my job i told my boss to fuck off i'm not writing about it then he goes to conventions and sees how much love everyone's getting everything he says is showered in praise and like he's getting like does he sit there and goes home and it's like how can both of these things be true and i yeah. don't know it's something I've, like something we've we we talk a lot about on tuesday afternoons and tuesday evenings like what are we doing? Yeah, I struggle we... with the idea that I'm simply, I mean, in the idea that like any attention is good attention and that by even considering this show at all, uh-huh. I'm somehow perpetuating its existence I mean, and more of the same. Yeah, that. I mean, um, that's the thing, like that line of thinking can take you, you know, like like that taken to its logical conclusion can have like, unless you're doing the most important thing on the planet Earth, you shouldn't be doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, sure. I but I my, what bothers me is like if someone said and it could be just different types of people right like people that have yeah. I don't know overdeveloped sense of social anxiety like I can't watch I never could watch the of, or early shows of uh, American Idol mm-hmm. you know because it's like certain certain level I feel bad watching professional critics tear apart an amateur for comedy. Yeah. Um, so I imagine, like, if you feel like that, then then it gets repetitive and uncomfortable when we're just slagging on the show. But if you like spectacle and like gladiatorial games, um, and and then you, you like enjoying seeing people getting taken taken down a peg, then maybe the shit we do is funny. That's how it can both be true. But I, what I don't ever yeah. want to do is like to do the laziest version of a show possible and continue to do it because someone is enjoying it. That doesn't seem like sure. Fun. And the thing I, I guess I don't want to do is do it literally just for the money. Like, honestly, I don't think we make a ton of money off this show in mm-hmm. particular. There are other shows that are much, much better shows mm-hmm. that Bald Move as an entity makes more money off of. Uh, but but that's like a thought in my head. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I still covering this show? Um, the The vast majority, like the largest reason certainly is I still have fun covering it. It's... It's become a different thing. I don't cover it now to say, oh, this is like, here's the great part of this show. Mm-hmm. It's more just to get on here and make jokes with you um, and to share those with our audience. And I think that's fun. But when does that stop being fun? Well, I do. I will have a confession hmm. because I've, I've said, what have I said all along? Like, I'm watching the show because I want to know what. What happens with Carl and Rick, right? Sure. For the okay, first yes. time, I've realized, like midway through the season, that I don't think I care about that anymore. Hmm. That the stupid stuff has degraded, and like the fact that Rick and Carl haven't had a meaningful scene except yeah. for the future flashback or future flash forward that we got treated with Grandpa Santa Claus Rick. Uh, um, like. I mean, the the fundamental thing that I identified with is the relationship between uh, a, a, a man and his, his boy and the unique pressures it puts on that relationship from the zombie apocalypse and how do you try to be a good man and teach your son to be the same in this world where it's essentially morally bankrupt. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I feel like I, 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 could, I could stop watching the show with a clean conscience now. Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to get to the heart of that. Right. Right, and there's and like I, you know, this this thing where like I kind of was in love with the idea of like the show that was just goes on forever, and that like it begins like a, a passing of the torch kind of thing. Like I just don't think they're ever going to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, they are plugging their fingers in their ears and going la 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 about the reality that they can't continue to keep these people under contract, and they can't like 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 
delaying the storyline and and letting the comics get further and further ahead of them is doing damage because you can't tell you're going to be able to tell half the story you want to mm-hmm. and you're going to have to recast it and at this point like them recasting everybody would there's no one would watch that new show of that you yeah. know because no, the, the right. old faithful fr- fans would be fu- fuck you and the people that they've lost would be like fuck you we don't trust you mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> I don't know uh, okay Andrew um says, I've been super annoyed by Rick and the trash lady's use of photography. Apparently, he's a photographer. Oh, man. So we're going to get My into sympathies. the quick nitty-gritty of, of this camera. Uh, the Polaroid Company has stopped making instant film before the Walking Dead series began. And, uh, okay, I'll, I'll sure I'll suspend my disbelief. Maybe there was some unopened instant film laying around. This episode with the trash lady, she was photographing Rick with a brownie Hawkeye camera flash model for her personal spank bank. It got me. Those cameras require 620, 620 film mm-hmm. instead of the common 120 or 220, which is impossible to find now, much less in the zombie apocalypse. And then what is she going to do? Develop and print those negatives to present to Negan? Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if they don't sweat the details that would be caught by literally anyone watching the show, a yeah. human being with eyes on the screen... They're not going to sweat the photography nitty gritty. <laughs> They're not well, going to give you the time yeah. and place appropriate camera. Right, and it's almost like I thought about critiquing Eugene's flying machine from the basis of my actual years of experience with RC aircraft and building them myself from similar materials. And I'm like, yeah. nah, nah. Yeah, I think I Michael P sent in an email uh, about that, which I cut because it was a little too nitty gritty. Yeah, um, and. And we, I can summarize, summarize it by saying, yeah, that glider never would have worked. Right. As depicted. Like, maybe it would fly for 15 minutes. Yeah. Maybe it could sling out 98 decibels of sound. <laughs> well, Michael it P. was saying it do wouldn't both. fly. Like, he couldn't have any control over it. Right. Zero. Because none of the... None of the flaps and fins and whatnot were attached to any kind of control he was mechanism. Using fucking, and, it looked like he was using rulers for the airlines. Yeah. Um, that like why would you make something so he- the control surface so far back so heavy and mm-hmm. but I don't know I don't know like I said like the insides <laughs> of how to weight and balance an aircraft like that and the power limitations are just like who cares like I just saw a person get yeah. vaporized from ten feet away with a rocket launcher right inside a building and and it didn't didn't so much as mess the person who shot the rocket's hair so mm-hmm. uh, yeah we throw I mean that's the thing like. I sat out to write a book series where I did an in-depth survival critique of every single episode, and I got the first one done, and we started getting into season five and six, and I'm like, this literally is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, there's more to critique than there is, like, so, I don't know. I mean, I I think you wanted to be, like, the Max Brooks of this show. Yes. But... Max Brooks is presented with a more plausible scenario mm-hmm. than this show will ever present anyone yeah, with. Yeah, no, they sure showed me they shut my shit down hard. Like, yeah. oh, you think you're going to critique our nonsense? It's going to be all <laughs> nonsense now, Aaron. Now right. what? Now what? You're going to write a thousand-page book for every season? Yeah, you got the time to do that. All right, Chris from Leeds says, so basically Rick's master plan to win over the scavengers was he actually had no plan? <laughs> Fuck these writers. Also, maybe it's because I'm English, but I can't understand what half the people are saying these days. But maybe that's a good thing. If it's not the scavenger woman talking backwards riddles, it's Eugene. Yeah, uh, we're right there with you. I couldn't understand half of what he was saying either. And it's I'm definitely not English. 
my my wife and I watched MacGruber last weekend, mm-hmm. uh, or no, Thanksgiving weekend, and it's hilarious because there's one point where you know Ryan Philippe is saying like, "Wait, so you don't have a plan?" He goes, "No, I'm not. It, it's I'm, we're just going to see what happens." Like, there's a big difference between having no plan and seeing what's going to ha- and seeing what'll happen. Uh-huh. Now let's go see what happens. Like, it's like I. Some of this stuff when I'm reading on r slash The Walking Dead and people critique that, it feels like that kind of rebuttal to criticism. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I said I don't know. I do know. This show sucks. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so I'm trying to find a way to put a or the, to admit that I, I could there's a, I could be wrong. I, I could not know what I'm talking about. All right. Final email is Ro Rohate Rohite. I don't know. He's he's from uh, Birmingham. Like not Alabama, oh. from the UK somewhere. The original, yeah, the original, original ham set of flame. So I'm sure his name is said back in the old Celtic days, where they just put the ham up on a stick and they burn it. Yeah, they burn it for light. Rohate is probably like I don't know John in English, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know, but he says it makes me laugh that there are still people who watch the show in a non-ironic way. Hearing the other podcasts and comments trying to justify all the bullshit never ceases to amaze me. Anything that gets me. Uh, another thing that gets me is the writing and plot this season is terrible. Really? Only now you're noticing the lack in quality? Uh, I think Aaron has discovered the fun you can have with this show when you turn your brain off and laugh at all the crap that somehow managed to make its way onto our screens. To contrast this, I also love hearing the disgust and anger in Jim's voice at being dragged <laughs> along for the ride. I just hope this isn't doing any long-term damage to our brain cells. Finally, just one question. Do you think the trash people are actually the writing staff playing themselves? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel that way. You uh, know, it'd be funny because, like, that's the, like, it, are we doing the uh, pop culture equivalent of huffing paint? Like, because he says long-term damage to our brains. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. No, we're, well, if we are, we're offsetting it with a lot of other things that are healthy, right? We're <laughs> right. eating our vegetables. What's that shit that Joe Rogan sells? The we're, we're doing. Neutronics uh, or. Yeah, New Brain or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing that with Mr. Robot. Z- Z- and... Zootropics? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I. That's, that can't be the right word. I, I just feel like it's so weird to see the two can and I, I don't think it's like they just suddenly are recognizing like what seems to be happening r slash the walking dead is a lot of people have just given up hope that it's going to get better and now that all out war which is this is like a huge thing if you're a fan of the comic books of the walking dead this is like uh, like like you got the prison arc and you got all out war that I'm aware of of being like the high watermarks of the comics and I think a lot of people were sticking in like man need and like Jeffrey Dean Morgan how can you fuck this up? Yeah. Like, people that we actually care about that are not cardboard characters have got to die, and it's going to be awesome. And now people, we're, we're, we're post-all-out war, we're in the thick of it, and people are like, no, it's exact. So now they're using, the, the ro- they've taken off the rose-colored lenses and their hopeful optimism, and they're dealing with what is actually before them. Mm-hmm. And... So I don't know, because like a lot of threads I'm seeing, like people are identifying. You're right. All these problems go back to, you know, season three, four and five. But for what? I, yeah. Why has it gotten bad? Why has Gimple doubled down? Is it because he, he gets this dual reaction of critics and fans saying it's shit and then going to conventions and it's awesome? And he just keeps saying. I mean, the only the only answer that I can see is that it's not Gimple. And I know that. That doesn't feel right because right, he's the so showrunner. It's the but it has to be the people who have it has to be the people with continuity through seasons one to yeah. seven. 
um, which to me says the executives, which to me says AMC at a higher level. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how much more blame I can put on Scott Gimple after like just taking a step back and saying the show has ne- not ever gotten better yeah. along the way. It's always had this steady decline right. ever since Darabont left. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that leaves me other than AMZ, AMC themselves. Yeah. The, who makes, um, who makes Halt and Catch Fire? Is that AMC That's studio? AMC. Yeah different showrunner for now, sure <laughs> that yeah but but there again the, you, do you have um a budget problem on that show because i guess that's like shooting a I period piece is always on it. is always considered like an expensive thing but this isn't that it's, like like you yeah. have to spend wardrobe and probably cars but like you probably <laughs> right, don't have you can to go dress. on craigslist and find all this stuff yeah, you yeah, need yeah, to yeah, dress yeah, a yeah. set on halt and Get you don't fire. have to like build fucking a new jersey boardwalk yeah. for you know something like a 1920s <laughs> you just prohibition need a couple era. Commodore machines you yeah yeah, yeah okay because i'm thinking like maybe the key is that you can either do the go- zombie effects and gore or you can spend money on good writing and direction mm-hmm. but you can't do both but so you can they... do both you can game of thrones does it but they but they have 10 million bucks an episode to spend there you go yeah that's what it costs but do it you've right. got the biggest show on television but do why it. would amc voluntarily take less i mean you're asking because they've lost half their audience now, by not doing it now yeah like this is the first real reckoning they've had and maybe that's the hope that things will get better but like i mm-hmm. they're i don't know it feels like a lot of their best storylines are behind them so yeah that's the other trouble they've they've screwed the pooch on two really big storylines yeah 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 we'll see We'll see what happens. Yeah. That's it. That's all the emails I got. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned here after the end if you want to hear that snippet of Lunch with Jim and Aaron that we teased in the promos about our... Because someone asked us on lunch what we would do if we were flip the keys to season nine of the show. And I thought we had some kind of funny, insightful things to say about it. What would Guy Ferrari do? Yeah. And as part of our overall larger Christmas celebration is going to last the... You know, Walking Dead. Walking Dead's gone after this week. Uh, we'll probably have a. Will we have a this after, week? Next week. After okay. next week. Um, will we have a wrap up? <laughs> Do we have one? I think we have one scheduled. We might as well. Yeah, probably. Should probably make some statements about the you know potential futures of the show or some ideas that sure, we've yeah. had. But but mm-hmm. uh, if you want to hear some more of a talk about the the Walking Dead, listen to the uh, preview of the premium content that you get from joining the club at club.baldmove.com. Otherwise, send feedback into watchingdead at baldmove.com. And until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later. Captain Booby. Wait. <laughs> Captain Stuby. Captain Stuby from Brisbane. That's better. Hypothetical. At the end of season eight, AMC sacks the writers of The Walking Dead and replaces them with Jim and Aaron for season nine, yes. a.k.a. Guy Ferrari, <laughs> the super team. Yep. Uh, what will be the final season arc for the show? How would you conclude it? Everyone dies. Um, everyone's just going to get captured, thrown into their own cells in the sanctuary, and slowly die. My main goal, if I took over in season eight, would be to wrap would be to wrap up whatever loose ends are from the all out war. Uh, I would 
really try hard to pass the torch. Like, like my, my, my primary objective in the writer's room would be we have to pass a torch to Carl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, <laughs> we pass- have to convince him to stay. <laughs> No, and then I would I would do a time jump forward, and I uh, in season nine I would come back with like uh like like ten years down the future and get to some of the social political, like big like big like like big like the stuff that I'm interested in the fucking zombie apocalypse like what does industry look like what is agriculture what is trade what is inter like like when are, when do we reconnect with the international mm-hmm. like you know like there's so many cool things to to explore that they just don't in favor of the same bullshit so it's like. To me, I think the biggest crisis The Walking Dead faces is the fact that their cast is getting old and and uh, expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, get get that set up to where you can pass a torch to Carl as the new leader, jump forward ten years, recast everyone, and then go forward from like your Walking Dead essentially volume two. That's what I would do. Uh, I will say, I've heard that the Walking Dead cast is extraordinarily cheap. Uh, yeah, you told th- me. There's about been this. a report that Andrew Lincoln's salary per episode is 90 grand. 90 compare grand that, for the biggest fucking show on television. Compare that to season seven of Friends where every one of the Friends was making a million Or pe- Seinfeld or Jim fucking Seinfeld, Parsons on mi- Big Bang Theory. Par- like, yeah, he's Jim making Parsons a million dollars an episode. Versus Andrew Lincoln getting leeches and sweat in the swamps <laughs> right. of Georgia. It's ridiculous. Like, because those people go... I've heard it from multiple sources that the Walking Dead cast goes through hell. Yeah. I mean, shit, a dude died on the set last year. Yep. It's Nobody's fun. died on the Big Bang set. No one has died on no the one, Big Bang. Not even from old Except age. For maybe not even from natural snorting causes. Snorting too big of a rail of coke <laughs> off of some hooker's tit. From the million-dollar salary they're getting right. per episode. Yeah. What the fuck? 90 grand? Uh, it's, and then he's it's the highest-paid actor on the show, so everybody else is making less. It's insane. Norman Reese is making less than him. Yeah. Here's what you should do. Norman Reedus is paid in motorcycles. It's hard to... (laughs) Motorcycle shows. (laughs) One per year, Norman. Uh You get one new motorcycle show a year. Uh Uh, You should... I'm with you. Like, you need to pass the torch. We, as Guy Ferrari, need to pass the torch Mm -hmm. to Carl. But I think when we go to recast Carl, like the older Carl, we should cast Norman Reedus. As the older Carl. That would be kind of interesting. I think he's got the hair for it. You just you see. I think Carl is a little bit more. He's he's. Uh, I don't know. More of a like a John Connor's yeah. traditional leader type. Yeah. Of course, I don't know. But I mean, maybe Norman can play that. You it's know? like you gotta he's lose, not going to play Daryl. You got to lose the Wildcat, Norman. Right. Norman's too old to be a twenty-six-year-old guy. You can age him down. Yeah, maybe. Just dye but, his hair and and make him shave the grizzle. But but the, but the other thing we would do rolling into the recast is like we would build up a strong writers room. That's that's yeah. job number 1. That's just as important, probably more so and than the And then lure actors. some high profile directorial talent with mm-hmm. the promise of new direction and, and, and fresh storylines and yeah. That's 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 what the guy Ferrari, Ferrari dream team would do. Yep. 